You're listening to episode 150 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Guys, I have a story for you about my week. All right. So I went. Wait, sorry, to Phil. Uh, you're assuming okay. that uh, we're interested. I I apologize if that was if if we put that <laughs> oh, energy out there. Sorry, uh, that's on listen, us. I'm holding I'm holding you hostage so that you oh, have to okay. listen to this okay. regardless. Um, so I went to an uncanny this week to try to get the second and third volumes of uh, Immortal Hulk because they've been really difficult to find at my local comic book shop. And while I was in there, there was a mom with two like under the age of ten boys. And one of them was looking for Captain America comics because apparently their dad is like in the you know, military. And the other one was looking for Spider-Man comics. And this fucking guy who worked there got down, like he squatted down to the boy's level and he put his arm on his shoulder and he said, Spider-Man's dead. <laughs> 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 I was in a moment where I was like, do I need to go over here and be like, no, he's not. What are you doing? <laughs> and instead, I, like Uatu the Watcher, watched this kid, his world just fell apart. <laughs> this Damn. guy is upset that Sony has Spider-Man. Oh my god. Yeah, so, you didn't intervene, though? No, I, I, I'm sworn to an oath to not interfere. Dude, oh my gosh. <laughs> Great. I mean, right. <laughs> really doing the Lord's work there. I gotta say, I'm disappointed in you, Phil. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't. I, I was groggy after work, and I just kind of watched this happen. And then afterwards, he came up to me, and he's like, "Can I help you with something?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, can I have some Hulk comics?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and he went, "You're never gonna believe." <laughs> oh, it's real. Yeah, I would have been like, "Yeah, you guys. can help me. Stop poisoning the youth of America, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I I thought of you, Pete, but I sat on this story for this episode. You know that famous that famous comic book saying: "With great power comes the responsibility to do absolutely fucking nothing." Right. That's right. Uh, Really, I'm really glad how Phil internalized all those lessons about you know <laughs> taking action and helping the weak and yeah, the good. The, all it takes is for evil to triumph is for the good man to do nothing. That's that yeah. Me. So good, good job, I guess. Listen, I swore an oath. I am Uatu the Watcher. All right, uh, I'm happy to happy to be back. Happy to have everyone here. We're uh, all here. Yeah, the gang is all here. Uh, it's been the entire summer, pretty much, since we've had this. Pretty Welcome much. back, Kale. Oh, thank you so much. Reunited and it feels so good. Meh. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meh. Reunited. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We'll see how this episode goes. Oh, is this reassembled? Is that what this is? Uh, yes. We'll go with that. Um... Let's see. Last week, you guys did a show. Uh, Pete and Kale. <laughs> it was a that's show. That's a pretty interesting pairing. I like it. I actually enjoyed it. It was a good I show? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. Um, Kale, Kale was uh, the villain. The, the villainous well, return. He, he, he waited until my absence. Yeah. Uh, but I'm back. I've returned 
from the dead. This is actually my sixth life. I figured it out. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> and I've Damn, returned to stop you, Kale. Oh, you don't I, have to. I am, I'm tired. I, I don't want to do it anymore. All right. Well, <laughs> shit. You can, you can have it back. I guess all Kale's I'm going to get is six lives then because I got nothing else to do. <laughs> this is it for me. It accomplished. <laughs> I, I feel like Kale's like one of those like inert ass Dragon Ball Z villains where he gets his ass beat one time and he's like, whatever, we're friends now. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like Kale's garlic. Like he, he has like a, a shit scheme that doesn't work. But he always hangs around, and no one takes him serious. And at some point, he destroyed the Nimbus. Or no, not the yeah. Nimbus, the Power Pole. <laughs> I wish I understood um, that reference. Yeah, so. he, he's the villain who's immortal, but creates the only thing that can defeat him, which is the Dead Zone. <laughs> okay, okay. I need to take a quick aside from comic books here, just real quick. So I've been reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. And there's a character in this book... I swear to God, there's a character in this book who is immortal, and he has made it his life's mission to go across the universe telling people how much they suck. <laughs> that's his that's his whole his whole jam. He shows up in a chapter and he tells Arthur Dent, You're Arthur Dent, right? You're an asshole. And he leaves. And he leaves. So the next in the next That's chapter awesome. in the next chapter there's this great big world ending cataclysm and this this random dude's about to die and he shows up again and he goes uh uh you so and so you fucking suck and he leaves <laughs> like this is the greatest character ever this is all Kale's ever wanted yeah this is what you aspired to be <laughs> Can, can you just imagine, like, Kale gets, you know, given the power of Cosmic, and he becomes the Silver Surfer who just, like, flies around the universe, like, giving people shit? <laughs> yeah, well, while still experiencing the existential dread that the Silver Surfer feels every moment Yeah, <laughs> like, he's just as pensive and introspective, but instead of trying to make the universe a better place, he's just telling everyone that they're assholes. Uh, some of us aspire to be like Superman. Kale aspires to be an asshole. <laughs> Yo, Galactus gonna get indigestion because of you. <laughs> Moving right along from whatever that was, uh, today's gonna be a big show. We're reviewing Doomsday Clock number 11 Woo! Uh, and House of X number 4. Woo! Super excited about that. It's been a year and a week. <sighs> What's that? I said it's been a year for one and a week for the other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Almost. Uh, but before we get into everything, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us. We are all over the internet, available on most podcast hosting platforms at The Comics Pals. You can catch us also at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. If you want to talk to us, you can use any of those platforms, but you can also reach us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, where you can hit us with an email where you can talk about, you know... What book you're reading, like what f- literal book, not comic book you're reading. Kale's reading Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, you know, you can be reading whatever book you're reading. Um, you can talk to us about House of X, which everyone on Earth is talking about right now, I feel. Um, my comic book store has never been more populated than it is right now, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. Every time I go in there, it's like mania. Really? And they, they never have the alternate covers anymore. Tuh. Like, 
I don't know if you guys pay attention to alternate covers, but Marvel does this thing where they have um, these covers where it's a character from the book in a toy box. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, to me, that's the shit cover. Sure. And so, yeah, I don't like those. Yeah, they always have the main cover and that one for, <laughs> for House and Powers. Those are the only ones they ever have. I wanted the Jean Grey cover, but I didn't get there on Wednesday because I was jet lagged. So I wanted the Jean Grey cover. So I went on Thursday and uh, I was like, oh, do you guys have the Jean Grey cover? And they were like, Haha, no. <laughs> Dude, people want to read the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's funny because I feel like that's always been true, right? Like, I think the entire time that <clears throat> they've been away, there's been people who are connected to the brand and wanted a comeback. But to have it come back was always going to be a big deal but to have it come back and be this fucking good of course everyone's talking about it you know it lives up to the hype yeah the comics pals i'm just saying we all know how salty kale can be when he came on last week and i was like all right let's see what he thinks about it and he was like oh it's fucking great i was like there you go that's how you know it's a bona fide classic (laughs) i have a i have a question for you guys um random I don't think it's random. Right, okay. No, not random enough. It's actually it's pretty pre- calculated. Preceded by this whole conversation, <laughs> so the calculated uh, question <laughs> of the week. So I I read an article on comicbook.com and I I had mentioned something similar to this uh, when House of X started, but we didn't really know where it was going. It was really just like a thought that I had. Um, and I'm wondering now that we're deeper into this whole deal, if you guys have any thoughts, more complex thoughts about this idea. And the idea is, should, can Marvel Cinematic Studios use House of X slash Powers of Ten as a blueprint for the movies to introduce the X-Men? So, the idea is... Obviously, you can't lift it completely, literally, because there's stuff that requires continuity. But if you go with the understanding that nothing happened prior to, you know, Moira's 10th life or whatever, you could say that that explains away why we've never seen the X-Men before. Because in the 10th life, the decision is that the, the mutants will stay away from all problems, they won't intervene in anything at all. They'll go to their own place and hide. And then when Thanos comes, because of the snap, half the mutant population dies off. And they realize that they could have stopped it had they intervened. And so because of that, they decide to come out into the world anyways and prevent the next catastrophe from happening. I feel like no, because Marvel's the MCU is about synergy. And there, there wasn't any synergy that it, like allows for you to be like, oh, this had happened previously. Like, like, like if there was an understanding that mutants had already separated, right? People would be aware of mutants. It'd be paraphernalia. It'd be stuff. There, there'd be something that we could touch upon. Um, like for example, uh, Wanda. She's not a mutant, right? Technically, in in the MCU, right? Well, but if right. if but if that had happened, that vernacular mutant would be used didn't they call not it necessarily like why not, not well, if, yeah they call they they, they call the miracles well right. they call them miracles but that doesn't mean that they're not mutants right exactly but then why would you not then just use mutant if that's something that has been in the world 
that they they have to come back into because well, it's a real world answer my, right what what i'm what i'm theorizing is that they were never they were never involved in the world like moira's lives have gone on and on and there were lives where they were involved in the world but that led to them dying to whatever what nimrod whatever villain they feel like using or even just the idea of sentinels and then in the 10th life uh they decide okay we're gonna try never coming out taking people who are mutants bringing them to krakoa erasing the memories of people who saw them or who knew them and just not having a footprint on earth i think it's possible i don't think that it'll happen in the mcu yeah i agree with marco I think it's something that you could make make sense without the existing context, but I think I don't think that that's something that that Feige and Co are really even going to be particularly interested in doing, because I because then I think you miss out on you know the X Men beats that people know and love. <laughs> Dark Phoenix, right? like, oh. <laughs> well. Um, you know, okay. I, I think I think people are are gonna like people who have been waiting to see the X Men in the MCU are going to want to see beats like Xavier School for Youngsters and you know like that the the them living in the shadows and all that is like part of the journey and I feel like jumping forward to this chapter would be um, I, th- I think a lot of people would have a negative reaction to that and I think that's something that Marvel's probably aware of. It didn't stop them from ignoring all the beats that make a good spider-man story (laughs) yikes well i i don't think that you have to miss literally anything because you can you can still do that you can do you can do every single x-men story that's ever existed it just means that before this point no one had heard of them but you could easily say like professor x decides that in order to show face and look good They'll open a school, inviting mutants. You know that could be something he never tried before. Mm, you know, it okay, could be. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that they've been living in the shadows, and now they're going to be forward facing. So if they if they do go back into the world, I would want them to come back into the world the way that they they are portrayed in this series. Like fuck them being nice. I'm all about them like coming in hot and being like, "Yo, we're this shit right now," and like, just watch your step. Like I, I'm about that attitude for the X Men and have been. And to see it, if it goes into the MCU, I want it to come in hot the same way it came in this way. Interesting. What do you think, Pete? Um, I, I think based on the point that you were making, Sean, I don't. I, I think if you want to go that route, I don't really feel like you need to address the idea of them having like their own nation or like a Krakoa or anything like that. Like as being all the mutants were there and now they're going out into the world. I think you could just as easily. Maybe you want to have Magneto posted up there or something like that but i think you could have it just as simply be that xavier school for youngsters exists and has existed in the shadows you know and that like they've intentionally been staying out of the spotlight you know for x y or z reasons and doing the same thing things that you just mentioned like charles covering up the existence of them by wiping people's memories when they do get caught out or whatever you know hmm uh how about you phil I think it's too convoluted, and I think it's completely unnecessary. I just think start from scratch. You know, we didn't know what mutants were, and we're learning what they are. That like Wanda was called a miracle. It's because they didn't have a word for it yet. They don't know what she is. This is something that's just uh, you know percolating across the planet and is developing. Just treat it straight. It's a movie. You don't have to. What's what's special about Hickman's run right now is that 
he's doing something that's really distinct and different in the books. That's a complete distinction. Uh, for a lot of folks, they haven't really done what they would want to consider an earnest X-Men movie. Like, that's, you know, comic book accurate or whatever. Just treat it straight-faced. Uh, Kale, you haven't really gotten your word in. I, you know, as you, I reacted uh, negatively to your question. And then as you described it, I, I did actually start to like the engine. But then my, uh, my... As the argument progressed, my my thought was what Phil just said. I think this this moment in comic books is very special. And I don't think a film adaptation is going to do it justice. I do like the engine that you're talking about and using Moira in that way. Um, but I, I think it would take something very very special to make that work and i don't think that will happen in the mcu it's funny because i actually really like the idea and i um like i kind of like it as a way of not hand waving but actually kind of getting down into an explanation as to why we've never heard of these characters before um but at the same time i still think i'd rather them not do that um i think that there's like it 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 would it it could it could be done i think it could be done well but i think i'd rather see them played straight like phil said so let me ask you this sean would you rather them like have it be that mutants are just like a new development like that it's like yeah like maybe Charles and Magneto have been around or whatever and there've been a few mutants but there weren't enough and that's why you were able to contain why there weren't X-Men but that like the X gene is like out there and it's populating more frequently and that's why Professor X is deciding to come forward and be like somebody needs to lead the, the people I don't like that that's that and that's the problem with introducing the X-Men uh is that for me personally, there's no clean way to explain how these people exist that are so powerful um, and they don't like because there could be mutants that are calm. When we th- when we talk about X-Men, we specifically think about these characters that wouldn't be rowdy, but there are so many mutants and if, at some point, one of them would have done something visible if they existed till now and if they didn't then why not? Like, I, I've, I've theorized in my mind, maybe Thanos' snap changed something in the universe that now allows for this, and that's okay, but then you, then Magneto's story, his life changes, right? Like, a lot of their yeah. lives are different now because of this, and everything has to happen at once. It doesn't really work. So that's why I think... I think in general... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's why I think the House of X theory applied to the movies actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think Magneto's honestly one of the biggest problems because his story is so tied to World War II and being a Holocaust survivor. And, like, how do you introduce that character right. in he's the de- modern he's, day? He's dead, without right? him? He's dead, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. He would be. Unless there's an explanation, right? Like he took some kind of life extending serum. He got frozen. Like any of those things could be explanations. But 
there's a lot of baggage to make that work, right? Like there's a lot of setup you've got to do there because if you want him and Charles to be old friends, Charles needs to be super old too. So like, did you know what I mean? Or like, has he been alive for longer and they met when Charles was younger and there's always been an age gap? Like there's all these questions you do need to answer to make it fit cleanly in the like starting at square one like we described, you know? Even Wolverine. Wolverine is over 100 years old. How do you get to that place if he's only now a mutant? Like, there's a million problems. Because well, that, that to me, I don't think is a problem. Because I think with Wolverine, it's the same kind of thing that you could explain where he's just been around and he's been off the grid. You know, like, he's he's had superpowers. and Because, like, in the same way where we learned that Ant-Man and the Wasp were superheroes and around in the past, but, like, are not famous in the same way that the Avengers are. Yeah, but this, this what we're talking about is if they only got powers now. If it was a clean slate where they well, they newly have these powers. Well, and that was the point I was making is I think there's a way to explain the ramp up of mutants without saying that they've never existed. Like uh, a character like Wolverine could be a mutant who's ex- who's lived for, you know, maybe 100 years or whatever and that there have always been the odd mutant, but that it's now that the X gene is like – you know, becoming oh, common. Yeah. And that w- the reason we're see- like, it used to be there were a handful of mutants in the same way that there are a handful of superheroes. Right. But now it's a thing where, you know, maybe 10% of the population that are being born in the last 10 years are, we're now discovering our mutants because their mutant power, they're turning 16 and all their powers are starting to uh, show, you know, isn't that kind of our understanding of how it works in the comics? Cause like apocalypse. Yeah. Is like the first mutants, and there's this a long slag where there's just not a lot of mutants, and then it's like Wolverine's born in like the 1850s, and again, there's not a lot of mutants until like Magneto's born in like the 1930s. Like, all the real boon in the context of the comics is always whenever the continuity starts. So, if it's the 60s, that's when the boon happens, 70s, 80s, and so forth, because the timeline's constantly shifting. My my understanding has always been has always been that it's that history's been whitewashed for for you know a lack of a better term normie washed you know um, in, in the context of the comics so we wouldn't know of any mutant history because you know oh, we've, killed, we've killed them all. History is written by the victors, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, or they lived in the shadows, or it could be people who were, like, looked at as being, like, exceptional people, but they had powers, like, that kind of thing. You know, like, I, I feel like there's a... Because I'm, I'm reminded of that that issue, like, from, you know, regular X-Men, where it's, like, Charles coming on TV and being, like, I'm revealing the mutants. Like, I am coming forward as a mutant. Mutants exist, and, like... That's kind of the explanation there, right? Is that they've existed, they've been living in the shadows, and now they're coming forward and making themselves known. The the Magneto and Xavier thing is definitely uh that's gonna be a tricky one. That's the real that's the sticker, I think. And I mean it's a sticker in the comics too. Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. At this point, he's over a hundred years old. I yeah, he's mean, like a bucket of bones. You you also have to you know, like, because then, with that theory too, then all, not all, but a lot of the X-Men also have to be kids. Um, and I don't think, 
I don't think that's going to work either. But there's, there are so many problems. <laughs> I, I like the idea of this over 100-year-old man luring children in. Just kidding, <laughs> I hate that idea. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, I don't think we're going to have too, too long to wait. I think we'll find out in within five years, which is, you know, I, I guess that's a while, but... Uh, Boy, somewhere it doesn't around feel episode four hundred and fifty. Yeah, episode four twenty. Um, but uh, I think that it's so it's so interesting and rich how they're going to have to introduce the X Men, but because they have to do it, and because we've seen the genius of the people behind the scenes at Marvel work their magic in the past i'm actually really excited to see how they pull it off and not not nervous no um yeah it's similar with the fantastic four yeah right i honestly think i think it's way easier to introduce the fantastic four than it is the x-men because it's yeah i don't disagree but i my my point my point there being you know it has a similar problem as the x-men and i have total confidence that it'll be cool yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I agree. They'll make it work. So let's jump into the pals pulls from Marco. We've got the broken bear trade paperback. Not oh, to I'm me. sorry, from Kale. From Kale. Yikes. Uh, so I um, reviewed this on the show a few months ago, and uh, it's this really great uh, fantasy story about this uh, this uh, knight and his uh, his sort of squire um, who kind of. Uh, takes over in his stead and and starts to become like a knight herself and she goes in this uh this really cool uh adventure in this um really wild sort of uh fantasy underworld kind of thing um monsters are great the helmet design on this guy the so the the knight he has like a bear theme and his his mask is like a uh it's legit it's like a a big fucking grizzly bear. I don't know if you guys can see that. That's yeah, it's tight. fucking badass. It's fucking cool. It's um, really cool. <laughs> uh, written by uh, Frankie White and uh, illustrated by uh, Adam Markowitz with uh, colors by AHG. Um, I, I looked up the uh, the creators on online um, earlier, and there was somebody different. So. Um, if that somebody different is somebody important, I do apologize. Uh, but um, the reason I bring this up now... <laughs> Only if they're important. I yeah. Mean, why would I apologize if they're not? Uh, the reason I bring this up now is so that the, the physical copy is coming out in uh, in stores soon from uh, Caliber Comics. So uh, go out and buy this book. It's very good. You elitist awesome. dingus. Um... So from Phil, we've got Daredevil number eleven. Yeah, um, Chip Zdarsky. We've talked about this before. He uh, he's a he's a comet soaring through this night sky. He's so bright. Um, that last it the last issue of Daredevil, phenomenal. Matt Murdock, not the best guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pete, I keep imploring you to read this goddamn book. I pro I promise you it's like very high on my to read list. I'm super interested in it. <laughs> you can do this. I believe in you. After you're I done will. binge reading our next uh book club book, please yeah. 
get this done. Baby. I promise. When I'm do- when I'm done with that, I I will. App- that'll be the next thing I read. I promise you. Yeah, I I tweeted about this and like, it's in, it's remarkable to have ten issues out and it already be one of the better runs of a character that has just mounds of excellent material over the last decades. I was gonna say this is the best Daredevil that I've read ongoing. Uh, probably since Brubaker. I didn't read that ongoing. Oh, yeah, ongoing. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've never read a Daredevil ongoing that I liked. I guess because, like, I read Bendis and Brubaker after the fact. You know, dude. Yeah. Like, I. I mean, I'm not gonna say I didn't like what Charles Soule did. Uh, he what he did was all right, and then I liked what. Um, oh boy, I'm blanking on this writer's name. Mark Wade. Uh, not Mark Wade. He was. You guys remember Shadowland at all? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, but who did that? I'm thinking. Hold on. And by thinking, I mean I'm typing. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but that run I liked until Shadowland started. Like literally until the like second issue of Shadowland, I was all in, and then it was bad. Andy Diggle. Yep, it's Andy mm. Diggle. Oh no, Diggle. Aww. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate. Marco, do Wait. you know? Do you know yeah. Shadowland? Uh, well, I, 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 I've uh, followed Diggle for a while. I, I, okay. I, he's he's hit or miss every once in a while. So like, I, I, I like to root for him. That's a that's a miss, my my good man. Yeah, Shadowland takes a wild turn. That is uh, pretty crazy. Okay. <laughs> What's never mind. I was gonna go on a whole conversation about Shadowland, but uh, this is the Shadowland <laughs> pals. Uh, so, Immortal Hulk number twenty, Phil. And it never will be. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, listen. If we're gonna keep pushing, we might have to someday become the Shadowland pals. <laughs> um, it, it's funny because I think I feel like on this show I'm known as like a DC guy uh, first and primary uh, primarily. Uh, but my polls this week are all Marvel, and you know if Daredevil isn't it, twenty nineteen is a remarkable year because both the big two have put out some real grand slams, and I think collectively this is probably the book that has the most people talking. Uh, we haven't really talked about it a lot in the show because I just haven't read it, and I finally caught up uh, this past week. Um, and the way Al Ewing has incorporated supporting characters of of 50 years of the incredible hulk throughout this 20 issue so far specific yeah. specifically betty ross for instance which i won't get into it's crazy and it's awesome and i think it's really challenging to do effective horror in comics and al ewing's done an exceptional job with this dr jekyll mr hyde character it really goes back to that early stan lee stuff it's rad as hell and i think when the year is over, most folks are going to have this as like their book of the year. Ugh, I need to read that, dude. I I implore you to buy yeah, it. Yeah, Marco, you especially need to read it. Okay. This is a Marco yeah. book through and through. It's actually shocking how good it is because I never had the greatest feelings about Al Ewing, and yeah. I picked this up on a lark, kind of. like I just like the Hulk, you know? Um sure. And it was just crazy. Like, wow, this book is amazing. It, it's remarkable. Like, I it, it sells out like crazy. Um, yeah. 
I had to go multiple stores just to get the second and third trades. And those, like, we've talked about this on the show before, but like each successive trade is usually easier to find because it's, there's less scarcity. But with the printing of these, you know, they sell it like hotcakes. Yeah. And Absolutely. this is like, this is a B-list character kind of for Marvel. Like maybe, a, like he's a lower A-list maybe, but like he's not as hot as, you know, their typical Wolverine, Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man characters these days. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I chose Powers of Ten number four. I mean, and we all kind of, you know, like we're all excited about this. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't think there's anything that needs to be said. We know it's great. If you're not on the train, I don't know where you're at, but you're fucking up. Uh, yeah, Pete said it best. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> review. <laughs> we're gonna review House of X number four uh, a little later on in the show. But just understand that if you aren't re- reading this, you need to be because Marvel wise, this is it. Dude, I just I love the way you phrase that. You need to understand that this yeah. is the best book on the shelves right now. <laughs> Get it together, kids. Yeah, please, and listen, please I, figure it out. I was gonna make a, a a dumb joke about the two titles. You know, you you're calling out Powers of X, and you said House of X. Listen, just shut up. Shut up a second. Go pick up the X Men titles. House of X and Powers of X. They're the best thing on the stands right now. Go get them now. Stop what you're doing. Go do it now. Pull over. Pull over right now. We'll be here when you get back. I will say you can listen to us on your way inside, though. That's accurate. Yeah, Yeah. that's actually true. And then also it's called Powers of Ten. Get it right? Listen, I've been gone for 15 months. I barely know my own name. (laughs) That's 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 because of advanced. That's your advanced age talking. (laughs) <laughs> it's like Magneto, man. That life serum—it's running out. <laughs> Sean, can I make an observation? Oh man! All right, you guys want to jump into the news? Let's do it. Can, sure do. Can I make an observation? Yeah. No one put Event Leviathan on their list. Oops. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> I was oh, yo, going Sean, to. Sean, Sean, can I put hey. it on my list? Can I put it on my list? All right, yeah, yeah. All right, ready? All right, and for Marco, we've got Event Leviathan number four. Sigh. I'm done. <laughs> wow. So, I okay. really thought you were about to hit us with the psych. <laughs> didn't he just? Didn't he just? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what he said. Oh, I thought he said sigh. That's what I thought, yeah. Well, Marco, I did say sigh. No, I said sigh. Like he was, oh, like he was oh, okay. exasperated with it. Yes, yes. Oh, I thought he said psych. Okay, yeah. I did too. Damn. That's why I laughed. It works both ways. Yeah, I take back my laugh. All right. So, jumping into the news, we have to unfortunately close the door on a future between Sony and Marvel. Or Sony and Disney, whatever. Um, This week, of course, there were a lot of people wondering... Whether or not we would hear any kind of update, any news on Sony and Disney continuing talks to keep Spider-Man in the MCU going forward. But uh, the unfortunately, the chairman and CEO of Sony, Tony Vincenquiera, said that for the moment, the door is closed on Spider-Man in the MCU. 
what's weird about that because that's not weird right like i think we all kind of figure they're not gonna go through what they just went through last month to then say oh yeah by the way we figured it out i I just didn't feel like that was gonna happen uh but what's weird is that tony is doubling down on the notion that it's because kevin feige is too busy (laughs) he said he says that Kevin Feige is stretched incredibly thin. He says, we had a great run with Feige on Spider-Man movies. We tried to see if there's a way to work it out. The Marvel people are terrific people. We have great respect for them. But on the other hand, we have some pretty terrific people of our own. Kevin didn't do all the work. I don't know who insinuated that. Hmm. Um, But he said... (laughs) Literally everyone. (laughs) (laughs) He says, Spider-Man was fine before the event movies, did better with the event movies, and now that we have our own universe, he will play off the other characters as well. I think we're pretty capable of doing what we have to do here. And the thing is, Kale, is that I don't feel like anyone has said explicitly that Kevin Feige's done all the work. I think people have given tons of credit to everyone who worked on this movie, the director, the actors, like the producers that we don't know their names of like the Spider-Man movies have definitely been a collaboration. Kevin Feige gets all the credit probably, or most of the credit for the MCU as a whole. And that's what I think that Sony is playing at here. That's where I think the game is. They're using Kevin Feige's name as a stand in for MCU. They're trying to divorce the idea of Spider-Man needing the MCU to be functional. I think I think Sony's just trying to get the uh, someone else's name in this as the last word because the big public consensus was well Sony's Sony's being a bastard and they're taking away our Spidey's man's from Marvel oh no <laughs> but Sony's trying to turn it around to blame Kevin Feige instead of using Disney because you know, corporate bullshit. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like it's it feels twofold. It feels like they are trying to spin the narrative to present it as this isn't our fault, like it's Disney's fault, without saying it's Disney's fault and without saying that we couldn't come to an agreement because of money. Because that is a big part of the narrative too, is that it's all about greed, right? Like and with if if people accept the narrative that Sony's presenting, it's oh well, timing didn't line up, and you know, like we wish them all the best, they wish us all the best, and it's I don't think that's what's happening. It's it's like it's like we, the collective children of Sony and Disney's marriage, went to our uh, I don't know mom Sony and said, "Are you guys ever gonna get back together?" And they're <laughs> like, well. Mommy's just too busy to see you. <laughs> oh my god. Damn. <laughs> that that hit me in a place I didn't know I was hurt. <laughs> yeah, I just I think this whole narrative they're trying to spin is particularly silly when you think of the context that like part of the original deal that was reported on was that Marvel wanted to be involved in all of their movies. So it's like Oh, he's too busy. It's like, really? Because it sounded like you wanted to take on like five other projects of yours. So it's just idiotic it's a weird choice. It's 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 not it doesn't make any sense. Kevin Feige's hands are on everything, but it's not like he's literally directing these movies, sitting down to write these movies, 
acting in these movies. Like he he has time. They like they they, they specifically mention how because of the new properties that they got from Fox, Feige's hands are tied. He's too busy. But that that's 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 odd. That's just that's just an odd thing to say. I don't know why Sony's going down that road. And that's what's so compelling to me about it is that this is just so obviously ridiculous. Now, Tom Holland has come out and he has said that we don't have anything to worry about. He says, I'm not shy about expressing how incredible the last five years have been with Marvel. I've truly had the time of my life, and in so many respects, they have made my dreams come true as an actor. Sony has been really good to me, and the global success of Spider-Man Far From Home is a real testament to their support, skill, and commitment. The legacy and future of Spidey rests in Sony's safe hands. I really am nothing but grateful, and I've made friends for life along the way. Yeah, that's what Andrew Garfield said after the first Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's one of those things where... You know, of course he's going to say those things. Like, he works for Sony, you know? Right. He's, like, our, he's our chill older brother trying to comfort us through the divorce. <laughs> like, it's all right, guys. It'll work out. And it's like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> it's just wild how Sony Sony pulled this off. Like, yeah. well, they pulled it off. I, I, I feel like... I, if if the next Spider Man movie comes out and makes another billion dollars, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And but if, if it they... comes out and it makes amazing Spider Man levels of money, like eh, I don't I don't know that I call it a win. Hey man, they got Spider Man and they got Venom. Venom Dun. is the <laughs> Venom is the I'm pretty sure it's the highest grossing uh, rated R movie. Uh, I think I feel like except I maybe Deadpool. That, yeah. It, but you're, I think you're, you're definitely it's a, right. It's, it's up it's, there. It's up there. And if you combine that with Spider-Man just having made a billion dollars, I feel like it'd be very hard to miss. It's at least on the the opening weekend kinds of numbers that both of those movies were able to receive. Whether or not the word of mouth is good enough to carry them to a billion, that remains to be seen. But even Batman versus Superman which was a movie that people really didn't like, made almost a billion dollars, and Venom and Far From Home are better than that. So, Yeah, people are going to go see a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie no matter what at this point. Yes, and that is the genius of Sony's play, yeah. that it's Tom Holland, and not everybody's on the internet reading about crap like this. They don't know what this means. Yo, and, th- th- yeah. that was literally my response to this news. Is like, I honestly don't care. I'm going to see <laughs> Spider Man because it's Tom Holland, and like, I've, I've atta- I'm attached to him now. Like, I don't give there a shit. Go. Like, whatever Sony says, whatever Marvel says, I don't care. Make the fucking movie. Shut up. <laughs> you guys are wounding Pete. No, I mean, I, this is just these are facts, man. I think yeah, I think, I think <laughs> this is just wow. the truth of it. Unfortunately, yeah. all right. I yeah, I mean, I I jumped up on my soapbox for that episode about why it's not good, but. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact remains, like, people are going to go see it, but I think the difference between it making a modest profit and a billion dollars is, you know, going to be, like, what Talent. John said, the word the word of mouth and everything. Like, people will go see it opening weekend, but if it sucks, they probably won't keep seeing it. I, I, I bet at least the first one does as well as anything Marvel puts out. Spider-Man. I think, I, I think that's probably true. 
You know, I think that whatever this next movie is will at least do similar numbers to Far From Home, even if it takes a slight bump. Because I do think that there's probably a significant number of people that will be like, I'm not going to go see it out of principle. And, like, that might account to a few million dollars or something like that. But, like, I think it's a pretty safe bet that this first movie at least makes its money and then some, even if it's not very good. Well, Pete, I'll tell you what. I think your apprehension in Sony is well-placed because now that I've joined the Screen Actors Guild... I'm actually talking to Sony uh, for replacing Tom Holland if everything goes wrong, and because Ooh. of that, it's clear that they're, they're <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's let's keep it moving. Let's never let's... talk about this again until the movie comes out. Great, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Marvel's teasing a death. Oh, uh, what? Again? Marvel? No one dies well, at Marvel. But Sean, did they have they dropped the uh the announcement for when they come back yet? <laughs> <laughs> Marco takes the prize. <laughs> my my thing was I thought it was funny that in the same week that we got House of X number four, no spoilers, that they would say this. You know, like, okay. <laughs> um, so he dies in these damn books every week. people died. <laughs> I said no spoilers. Uh, so there's Part a, mis- a suicide mission, guys. Come on. <laughs> what are they, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Turns out. So... Marvel really has been releasing a series of images that uh, d- depict something really interesting with like that that appear to be like in a clue, uh, a puzzle piece, um, and with the tagline "Can you solve the puzzle before the heroes of the Marvel universe?" Incoming December twenty sixth, twenty nineteen. So one of the pieces is uh, several Marvel heroes. Um, the Fantastic Four and then some Avengers standing around a dead body with a sheet over it in a morgue, what appears to be a morgue. Uh, I don't think this is related, but it very much reminds me of the Elektra scroll mm. image where they saw she was dead at a scroll. Oh, yeah. Um, I, it, what was that, uh, that event that uh, Jason Aaron did with uh, oh, the Watcher's th- eyes? Yes, uh, shoot, it was called, uh, oh god, why can't I remember this? I, I can't even remember either, because I, it was very mediocre, but- Original Sin. Also, that's the one. They also teased a big death just like this. Yeah, that's a great point. Original Sin had very similar, uh, uh, teasing, but that's not the only thing they're teasing with this, which is pretty interesting. So they're also teasing, uh- this one was a glimpse of eternity and it shows Jessica Jones and Daredevil not really looking at a dead body, but they're like standing around. They're like on either ends of an image that showcases someone dead and chalk. Uh, and the body is upside down for us with two faced written on it. And on the bottom of the image, you can see this dude pointing a gun. And the dude it's the guy is from, um, from yes, from Marvel Comics One Thousand. The Master Ra- Dark Rider, uh, Ra- Master Ma- Rider. I think it's the Master Raider. Yeah, Master Raider. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think you're yeah. Right. 
the last one, the la- well, there's also another teaser that uh, shows someone holding up a sword, kind of like He-Man. Pretty sure that's Hulkling uh, with the Excelsior sword. Um, with the what? The, yeah, the Excelsior sword. Good lord. Black Knight, dog. Black Knight? That's not his Whatever. weapon. It's the Evan Blade. Oh, yeah. Although that could be Black Knight, because Black Knight's about to be in the movie, and you already know that they're about synergy. Uh, you my, already know. Yeah. <laughs> my, my bet is on is on Hulkling, personally. Um, but that being said, the most interesting teaser, in my opinion, was uh, the one that shows Magneto, Professor Xavier, and Apocalypse together. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. says a deadly alliance, and it's Professor Xavier, presumably Professor Xavier, holding a Krakoa seed. Yeah, it's very, very clearly the Professor X we've been following in house. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, right? Like it's the same helmet yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I, I'm, I'm, uh, for me, everything's on the table. We've not seen. Well, I don't know. I don't. It, it's it. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts. Like, what if that's not Pause Professor it. X? Yeah, save it. We could we could talk about that in the you know the the review discussion. If it, you want. Yeah, it's not a theory I have that's related to the issue that we just read. I'm just saying. But uh, uh, have we? I not to derail this too far, but on the on the subject of that character suit, have we seen that before in X Men continuity? The the helmet. Yeah. The maker within that's that's who well the, the, the ultimate the, Reed Richards right that's yeah it's very similar it's not the exact same within Marvel continuity I don't believe we've ever seen Professor X wearing this exact version of the Cerebro Cerebra helmet oh, this Cerebro, way of course okay other than House of X okay but yeah um so do you guys have any theories about who might be dead? Does this intrigue you at all? What do you make of this uh, deadly alliance as they as they claim it to be? Any thoughts? I already I already know who's responsible. Oh, okay. It's very so. Listen, we don't know who's dead. We have a mystery here. It's very clearly the Riddler. Wow. He's responsible uh, for, for all this. For some reason, I really thought you were going to say Vince McMahon. It was me, Austin. <laughs> it was me all along. Oh, He's the God. higher power. That's right. Marvel does this a lot. Uh, this is going to tie into, you know, whatever whatever one shot they're going to do, you know, that, that leads into the next year. Um Last year they had that one shot that introduced uh, Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Um, they they did it before where they they showcase like that was how they got to the visions story uh, where they showed a whole bunch of different little things that were happening that all related to something big with technological characters in the MCU. They always do something like this. It's hard for me to get excited anymore about this stuff to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Hey, what's uh, what's Marvel doing right now? Dead. Being oh, dead, hmm. yeah. Like on yeah. a table surrounded by the Fantastic Four and the Avengers? With a big cosmic storyline coming up called Annihilation? 
Marvel is in Annihilation. I'm just yes, guess. yes. There's there is the Annihilation uh, story coming up. Remember Mar-Vell the one shot. Marvel wasn't in the original because he was dead. His daughter was Captain Marvel at the time, though. Viola Vell, she was in it. Right. She played yeah. Prominently, I she was that, in the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah. Here's a theory. Uh, very clearly, uh, we can see his feet. Could that be the White Batman? Oh. Who? Interesting. Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. See? He <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Well, it's funny. I don't know. Like, obviously, we can't really, like, make much of the, the character out. But for some reason to me, like, the it looks like there are, like, some kind of... Like some kind of like armor on or something, because it looks like there are like little shoulder plates kind of jutting out, and it looks like their huh. chest is raised. Yeah. So again, with the shoulders, it kind of makes me think like there's like a piece of armor over them or something. But I guess it could also be a woman. Hmm. Um, zooming in, it kind of looks like he's got plating armor on his legs. Maybe. I don't know about that. It's yeah, hard to sure. say. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. Um, I uh, don't know. Is anybody reading those uh, titles currently? Fantastic Four and X-Men? Avengers? Oh, uh, X-Men. Avengers, of course. Uh, I'm behind on Avengers. But, but within the Fantastic on. Four, there's nothing that... Um, there's nothing that relates to this that I can think of. Hmm. So, guess we'll have to wait and see. December twenty sixth is, I guess, whenever this book will release, um, and it'll probably be the thing. I mean, they've they've even teased it already. It'll be the thing that ushers yeah, us into right next here. year. Whatever, Jesus. Uh, now we have to talk about something unfortunate, and I hate to do these stories because they're they're crappy, but. Uh, Brian Wood, who is a writer that has come up on this show recently for positive yeah. reasons, yeah. Um, because of the massive being, I guess they were putting out the big omnibus. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we and we talked about how great that book is. Well, he's canceled now because. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he has been for a while. Like that's the funny thing, right? Yeah, like. He did get canceled. Yeah, but and now then he's he, getting he, re-canceled. Yeah, but he just wasn't he was still canceled. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no what we're, repercussions. What we're talking about is that um, Laura Hudson, who was the uh, editor in chief over at Comics Alliance, and is you know a person in the industry, um, she accused Brian Wood of. Uh, a lot of things. Um, sexual misconduct, I guess, is a good catch-all mm. phrase for his behavior. Um, unfortunately, Hudson uh, has made her Twitter private, so I can't read all the comments that she had made. Um, there was a whole thread, but uh, she made she made some pretty powerful statements. Um. Uh, allegedly, he 
forced her into a, a kiss um, and asked her to have sex. Uh, this is one of the tweets that she put out. He texted me for weeks afterwards telling me his wife didn't understand him the way I did, wanting me to come out and F him. I refused. I was scared. How the F are you supposed to react? I didn't know what it meant to say no to my idol, and I had no power at the time. So that's that's really bad. This is the first time, as Marco alluded to, uh, Tess Fowler uh, said this very not, similar things. Sorry, this is not the first time. That I did. Did I say? Did I say it was? No, you I said, think yeah, I, you said yeah, this, think uh, this is the first time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I this this is not the first time. Right. Um, Laura Hudson said the day Tess started talking, he knew. I liked rock climbing and for no reason started sending me emails the exact same day, we're not friends and don't talk, about his niece and how much she loves rock climbing. Definitely not because I had status and he was afraid I could hurt him now. So, uh, in response to the latest wave of of accusations, um, Dark Horse actually canceled the title that Brian Wood has ongoing over there called Aliens, Colonial Marines, Rising Threat. Yep. That was the other reason we had brought him up. The the new title, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's now over with. Um, yeah. What do you guys make of this? I So I've recently... I've recently gone back and forth on like where I stand on creators and how to separate their work. And this one's hard. Um, like, 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 like for me, when it came out, I was like, ah, shit again. Like I got over it the first time and like could continue to buy his books. And now I'm just like, ah, you're a piece of shit. I'm like, I'm gonna have to pay you for this. Glad you were able to get over it, Marco. Yeah, I mean, you know, time heals all wounds. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My my whole position on this is like it's always tough for me to separate art from the artist because I think of art and creation as a very personal thing. So, like, this is not the kind of thing that I have an easy time getting over. You know, like when when allegations like this do come out about a creative, it's like. I wouldn't necessarily like uh, begrudge someone for for being able to divorce art from the artist because I I do think that that's a, a valid way to look at art that art is made in you know um, a vacuum and like you can appreciate a piece of work and all those things but that's not a thing I've ever really been able to do you know so like to me like I hear this news and my reaction is good you know like I hope more people follow suit you know like I I hope that. Like, he isn't given the opportunities to continue to work and use his position to, you know, like, like creep on people, you know, or like assault people. Um, That to me is like, it's not, no matter how good his work is, it's not worth it. It's not worth the human cost to allow somebody who is like clearly exhibiting like toxic behavior to continue to be a part of, of the industry, you know? Like, you're, like, everybody has the right to, you know, make art and express themselves, but not everybody, like, deserves a platform, you know? 
And um, that's like kind of where I come down on it is that like if you're like proven to be a piece of shit, then I want to see reputable companies denounce that person. You know, I want to see the biggest platforms in the industry be closed off to that person because there's a lot of people doing great work that aren't doing those things. So like I would rather elevate them, you know, and like expect more from not just like our artists, but like people in general, right? Like sure. if you're in a position of power, I want you to be a, a decent person. Hmm. That's tough. That's really tough because then what's, where's the line on that? I mean, to me, it's like, it's, it's pretty clear, you know, like I don't, I'm not asking for my creators to be, uh, you know, you don't all have to go out and be Mother Teresa or something like that. Well, she's kind of an asshole too, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> you don't have to be a saint, right? Like, I, I understand that, like, people are complex and there's good and bad in every person. And, like, I'm not saying that everyone who makes art needs to be perfect or that you can't ever make a mistake or say a wrong thing or, or whatever. But, like, when you have somebody like this who's on multiple occasions been accused of sexual assault or sexual misconduct uh, and... The first time it happened, he's like, oh, it didn't happen that way. I made a pass at her. She's misinterpreting how it happened. It's nothing, right? And then we as an industry, as a community, forget about it and move on. And the person that it happened to, I'm sure, like, didn't have that luxury so quickly. And then he gets to go and do it again. And, like, that to me is the line. Like, the line is, like, when you do something that is, you know, like serious misconduct like yeah like fuck you you know like that's where it is and it'd be one thing if he said something inappropriate or whatever that made her uncomfortable and she called him out on it and he was like oh my bad right like i misread the situation i overstepped a boundary you know like you know i apologize and i that to me would be something i could forgive you know, but like he's made no attempt at amends. And then now here we are a few years later and he's done it again. And how many well, times has he done it in between those two allegations? You're sure. you're 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 saying he did it again. We don't know the timeline. Like we don't well, know that he did it since that. Like recently. He's done like, it more. He's done it true. more than once. Right. 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 Yeah, well, but it, what, it could be it could be prior to the events that. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. totally right. That's a fair point. We don't. It, it's not that as if it happened right now. She's talking about it right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the the to Kale's point, my point is that he's done this multiple times, right? And you got to imagine that he's done it a lot more times than the two people that have actually been willing to come forward and take yeah. flack for it. Yeah. Because that's generally how these things work. See, I. Mark. I, yeah. Go ahead. I. I. It, it's hard. It's definitely hard. Like Pete, a hundred percent. Everything you're saying is a hundred percent. Like. Like yes, and 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 I come into it in a place where like, originally uh, I had found Brian Wood's work right. I really enjoyed it, uh, and then the first time I had found out about Tess was actually I think Kale. We were at a Forbidden Planet like a couple years back, and you were just like, "Oh, Brian Wood." He's like, "Meh." I'm like, "Why? What happened?" Whatever, whatever. So I found out, and like that skewed me out. But there, there's like a point where you sort of reflect back on a person and, and and the same way you reflect back on yourself, right? It's like, has this person grown? Have they, have they done different things? Can, can I say that maybe they have changed, right? And in that, I'm able to reconcile the fact that, okay, I can go, I can go back and, and, and pick up his work, right? And, and in the back of my head, it's definitely there. Like, 
this guy's not cool, but being able to split out his work and say, all right, this stands alone. And I hear you, Pete, on like not being able to always separate that cleanly. Divorce those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know. It For me, the line is just time. It's like let let this person grow and change, and hopefully they have. But I think it's only if they have. Right, me. right. And right, because like I think one of the but you, but you can't but you can't measure that right like like you can't measure that outside of there being another scandal let's say right or I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that because you can measure it by their actions right like no I that's think, what I'm saying again like but let's say you never hear about it and they have been doing this and then mm, you, you right like yeah so th- there's there's Making no positive change exactly yeah and I think that's fair. I think to me though it it again like the most public example I can think of this in recent memory of somebody who I was a fan of who I felt like handled it in a way that was uh appropriate was when though the the story came out about Dan Harmon and while he was running community and oh, had yeah. an inappropriate relationship with one of the writing staff in terms of like uncomfortable power dynamics right and like when she like confronted him about it publicly like he went on his podcast and he told the story from his perspective and he owned what he had done and he apologized for how he acted and how he treated her. Right, right. And I think to me, like, that shows growth. Right. Right? Being willing to own your mistake and, and attempt to make amends and say, you know, I want to I wanna do better. I want to not do those things in the future. Right? Like, that isn't what happened here. Right? The mm-hmm. one public allegation we had before now, he dismissed it. Right. And didn't apologize. You know, even if it was a misunderstanding, even if his interpretation was correct, don't you think that like the right thing to do if you make someone uncomfortable is to say, oh, I'm sorry I did that. Yep. That's just like the decent thing to do. Bare, and the fact that like his minimum. modus operandi, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kel. Bare minimum. Yeah. And I think the fact that his reaction is to defend himself and deny any, you know, uh, culpability is telling. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil, do you have a do you have a take here? Sean, you asked uh, what our thoughts are, and uh, I think I can summarize for everyone. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's shitty and bad. Yeah, I don't know, man. Fuck Brian Wood. Like, yeah, <laughs> Kel, Kel, that's, what, up, yeah, that's what I got. Kel, what's up? He just said it. Uh, yeah, it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm acknowledging any... him from across the, the ocean, you see. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> another controversial topic. DC is allegedly introducing a black Batman. All right. Yes. Hey, you know what? Fuck DC. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not equivalating. I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm just kidding. That's just it's kidding. a callback. It's just a callback. I'm, I'm just kidding. Kale, so I, I take back the what's up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so Bleeding Cool, I'm pretty sure we're the first people to put this out there that uh, there's a I mean, it's pretty simple. There's a rumor that um, in the summer of 2020, DC Comics is going to have a storyline playing out that will introduce a black Batman. I love that in the article, the Bleeding Cool article. They specifically say, Rich says, uh, not Bruce Wayne, but someone else. I'm pretty sure I know that Bruce Wayne is not black. I I, I get that. You know how comic books are. 
He's not. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> he's not. He's not wrong to do that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's more being like, oh, this isn't going to be an alternate universe where Bruce Wayne is black. It's going to be know. another. It's a joke. Yeah. Have you guys heard of it? <laughs> Jesus God, Christ! God, uh, nerds. <laughs> so there, there's sorry, not. I just take Sean seriously. There's not much more. You shouldn't. There's not much more to the story than that. It's really just kind of that rumor, and then the article is right. padded with, you know, other things. Um, it's like some predictions and stuff. Sean Cassidy. Couple question. predictions. Yeah. Are you Batman? Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, shit. Damn, I knew it. Fucking knew it, dude. You're up all night. You're just prowling the streets, busting crime, breaking my arm. It's cool. <laughs> That's how I do. Why do you think Sean was late today? Yeah, it's out there keeping the streets safe. At at eleven a.m., uh, lots of crime. <laughs> crime but, uh, never sleeps. No jaywalking. And, and neither do I. <laughs> so I don't I don't really care for the speculation too too much. Uh, there's really like very very limited options as far as who this could be. Um, yeah. You you have Duke. No. <laughs> no. God no. <laughs> Um, but but what I am interested in is how do you guys feel about the idea of a black Batman? Sean, how do you feel about the idea of a black Batman? Thanks, thank you for asking, Marco. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. First of all, don't have any interest in Bruce Wayne going away, right? That's just number one. Uh, I don't care who it is. I don't care what race they are i don't want bruce wayne to go away we've been down that road it's you know it worked out fine when they did it in terms of the stories that we got out of it but um i don't necessarily know that i need that again it's been 11 years or so but still it's been a while (laughs) (laughs) oh my god uh so that that's that right so then um automatically i don't like it if it means bruce has to go away but if he's not going away and it's just going to be that there will be another Batman in the in the mix, which I don't think that's what they'll do, um, I don't like that either. Because then it's just, oh, well, we want a black a black Batman, so we're just going to make it happen. <gasps> black and man! For... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Dude, that's the, say... that would be my hero name. <laughs> no, just real quick. <laughs> Sean, can you just give me that in your best Kevin Conroy voice? <laughs> I'm black man. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Or just like you remember, uh, it was like the one that was like in the commercials where he draws it out, where he's like, "I am Batman," yeah. and then just yeah, the yeah. thunder. Man, yeah. of all the vigilantes, black man seems to attract the most attention from the police. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the Joker as my supervillain, I've got Jim Gordon. <laughs> I, I was gonna say Blackman, but Blackman's more on the nose, and I respect it. I I also thought of Blackman. Yeah, Blat. Yeah, yeah. yeah like Why? Black and Bat, like Batman, but just with an L. Oh shit! It's because we're not that creative. Is the issue, Sean? Well. Um, I mean, black man is not exactly genius level. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to, they didn't have to dig far for that one. Yeah, Phil, <laughs> Phil, and, I, Phil and I at least worked for it. <laughs> yeah, did you really? Um, Work with air so, quotes. 
so yeah, so I like you know I'm I'm way into diversity. I love you know like Miles Morales and different characters like that. But I'm not into like I love Miles Morales, but I'm not into the fact necessarily that he's Spider Man. Um, just because I think he could be someone else. I understand the mechanisms and the reasons why um, you know they do that. It's a lot easier to say, hey, here's this. You know, black and Latino kid who's Spider-Man rather than here's this black and Latino kid who's Arachna boy. You know, um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of reasons why that kind of thing doesn't work. But um, real talk, though, Arachnid kid would be a really cool name for a Spider-Man sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> you real talk, though, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways. It seems I, like it could be a backdoor way to get uh, Idris Elba to finally play back. Uh, back I almost said Blackman. Batman. <laughs> Blackman. <laughs> He's been doing that for his entire life. Um, he already plays that character on Luther. Yeah. <sighs> nice. Um, so, does anyone else have a, an opinion on this matter? It could be that second Azrael. What's his name? Not John Paul Valley, the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael uh, Washington Lane. Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. Actually, that's I, I, that's one of my favorite characters from the Bat universe. John Sorry, Paul what's Valley his name? Was John, uh, uh, just uh, Michael? What's what's his full name again, Phil? Michael what? Michael Washington Lane. Um. And, and there's a little bit of continuity there since John Paul Valley was Batman briefly in the early 90s. Well, what what bums me out about that is just the recycling of that well, plot. Well, that's what they do. It's like, oh, okay, no thank you. That's kind of like my, my whole attitude going into this thing is like it, it's, a, it's a wait and see thing. Because like I definitely would say I generally agree with Sean in terms of like I would rather see uh, new characters – you know, um, rather than like retooling of existing brands, because um, I definitely think that's like a, a thing that comics would would at least big superhero comics would benefit to be able to get away from. Was that is that like the only IP that are relevant are things that were made like in the, you know, 40s or 50s or the 60s or 70s. And, you know, like new things are good. Um but that being said, like, Sean did give the example of Miles Morales, right? And I've, like, made my feelings about that and how it relates to the Spider-Man brand known. But, like, I did kind of had my mind changed a little bit by Into the Spider-Verse and, like, seeing more and more younger kids connecting with Miles or Gwen or whoever. And, like, you know, it's, like, to me, ultimately, like, if it's good and, like, people connect with it, like that is justification enough for its existence. You know, if, if it is being done just to like check a box, then like that's a thing we can ding them for at the time. You know, uh, I'll tell you what, if it's Tom, if it's Tom King writing it, it's probably not good. Oh, <laughs> anyway, Marco, what do you, th- what do you think about this? Give me the real. If I want to see a black billionaire in a comic, I'll read black Panther. Nice. What's that? But that's the thing. He wouldn't be Bruce Wayne. So yeah, he's not gonna be right, but he won't be a billionaire either. Yeah, he won't be a billionaire. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> says who? Then, then he'll be Daredevil. Says Lo- economics. Why, says why, yeah, why do you have to be life, how many billionaires do you think there are that are looking to go be Batman? <laughs> I don't know. Nah, he's, just he, like he's going the way of uh, James Bond. They're just gonna swap him out. If he's a black Bruce Wayne, I, I don't think I'd mind honestly. Just be like, all right, whatever. Well, at least yeah, if, if Bruce Wayne, 
That's kind of my attitude now, too, is, oh, he's black now? Cool. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, at this point, it's it's nah. a spectacle it's a spectacle enough to just be like oh, all right he's black now all right whatever I'm just... I don't I don't think it works for Bruce Wayne specifically just because his whole thing is that he's a Protestant waspy guy from like old money in England like it's kind of just ingrained in the character Gotham's like, in Jersey different... I'm sorry Gotham's in Jersey right but his ancestors oh like, yeah I'm talking going back like he's old money di- if it was a different dude I have no issue with that it works less like. Uh, when you actually it's one of those things that if you think too hard about it with a black Bruce Wayne it doesn't work as well but um, another dude yeah I have no issue with that at all yeah I I don't know feels like a ploy feels like a tactic doesn't feel it doesn't Uh feel authentic to me and even in the case of like Miles Morales where we've seen a lot of success with that that feels like something that Bendis wanted to do specifically that he had a vision and a passion for um, and an idea that worked. And I think a lot of kids look up to Spider-Man in a way that they don't necessarily look up to Batman because Batman's not nearly as relatable. And I don't feel that a black Batman will have the same kind of impact nor do I know, we, we only know that there's this rumor, but nor do I know that there's a specific creator with this great vision yeah, for yeah. a story that includes, a that necessitates a black person to don the, the cape and cowl. I was just going to say that, like, if, if they do, uh, if they do decide to go forward with this, like, uh, go check out our interview with uh, Greg Anderson, Elise from uh, Keystone Comic Con, because, like, we, we, we discussed this one portion where it's like, what do you do to bring in black creators into the fold and dude if, you, if you're gonna break out a black batman or something then at least be able to to elevate other artists along with it that they can at least tell an authentic story if you're gonna right. try to do that yeah which white guy do you think they're gonna get to tell this story oh, tom king maybe bendis bendis <laughs> bendis he just goes around to every every publisher <laughs> creates a black version of their main character <laughs> <laughs> DC just comes to him and is just like, look, we're really struggling. We need you to recapture that magic. Listen, uh, Brian, we've got this great title we think you should work on. It's called The Walking Dead. Here's the deal. We need you to, we need you to retool it for a modern era. Okay, Rick Grimes, black now. <laughs> it's set in Alabama, dude. It could happen. Yo, listen, you oh, drones. Jon Snow is black now. <laughs> <laughs> it's black now. <laughs> Yo, that show would be cool. <laughs> I'd watch um, that. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but, all right. <laughs> yeah, so that's where we're at. I'm sure we'll find out more about the Black Batman uh, black <laughs> really soon. But, uh Yeah. Not terribly exciting for me. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about Joker. Yeah, boy. That twisted clown man? Mr. Clown Man? Yes. Guys, we live in a society. Would you let Sean talk? (laughs) (laughs) Would you quit shouting? God damn. (laughs) What does does us living in a society have to do with me not being able to talk? Because, 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 Sean, I, I come from a, I come from a country that's not developed. You know, 
Oh, what? Wow. Why are you gonna really project Pete? racist Damn. shit on everything I say, Mark? Because it's funny. <laughs> we were supposed to be friends in 2019. I hate you. Marco, come on. Let's put a smile on his face. Uh, yeah, buddy. You're soon. Get into your soon. He's gonna tattoo. All right. Wait, I'm excited he's for this. Tattoo Shut damaged up. on his head. No, I want to get my Joker one in. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So, uh, Joker. <laughs> Joker debuted recently at the Venice Film Festival, I believe it was, and it is doing really well. Uh, People have come out and reviewed it, and they are overwhelmingly uh, excited and happy about this movie and what what it is and how good it is. In fact, it got an eight-minute standing ovation during one of its showings. That's Um, wild. That is wild. That I is hate wild. clapping for one minute. I can't imagine yeah. clapping for eight. Yeah, I've never clapped for eight minutes. Actually, I have clapped for eight minutes. But, um, yeah, Joker apparently is the movie. Uh, Yo, called it. I think I think we we we've been we've been pretty in favor of this movie. I was probably not the least in favor until I saw the trailer. I hard disagree. I've been anti this movie the whole time. Oh, okay, my, I, I mean, you know, you're only on the show half the year. I forgot what you yeah. thought about anything. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not that was harsh. Um, <laughs> Fair, but <laughs> that 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 was unnecessary. Uh, Kale, yeah, why why? <laughs> you're not wrong, but you hurt my feelings. <laughs> why have you felt that way? Refresh all of our memories. I just. There's a level of saturation that I think the Joker has hit, for, at least for me, that is, you know, it, it, I think it is up there with a, ba- a Batman film. You know, it's like, it's, okay, fuck, another one? Uh, you know, and that's, that's not me saying, obviously, there's been Joker films or whatever, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't care about the Joker. I don't need or care to see a... Uh, a Joker origin film. It's it's funny because I definitely like agree with you in principle, but I'm interested in this because of the creative talent yeah. and because like the the quality of of the tra- like the trailer that John called out, which like obviously a good trailer doesn't mean a good movie. Um, look at Man of Steel, but uh, I I feel like nice. I gotta uh, do it. <laughs> um, but but. To me, like I, I'm a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's a really great actor, and um, yeah, I agree with Phil. I think he's one of the better people out there right now working. And um, you know, like it's it's got good talent attached to it, and the fact that it's getting good reviews is really not that surprising to me because I, you know, I I'm not interested in a, a Joker origin movie in the context of like a DC film universe, but the idea of like a more auteur kind of film using the Joker as, uh, you know, an anchor point, like, is something that I, I think could be interesting. And given the landscape of, like, superhero media in, like, the mainstream, like, it's something that feels like a breath of fresh air. Or at least it could be, you know? Whether it'll speak to me or not, we'll have to see, but it does. it does seem like it is on the path to actually be something that's, like, substantial. 
Yeah, that, that that's a, exactly where I stand on it. It's like I, I feel like if this if it wasn't for the talent behind it, I'd probably be indifferent to it. But because I I know that there's like a, a production there that you know the the talent's great. I'm excited to see it more so for that than for anything else. Like Joker aside, I'm excited to see that group tell that story. Right. Truly, whenever a film uh, comes out, Phil is always vindicated. And we all saw it with Venom. We all know <laughs> how often I'm right when it comes to our, our movies. Um, yeah, I I want more things like Logan in movies, man. Like a movie that has like, that's not kind of uh, your run-of-the-mill superhero story. And that's not because... Uh, I'm talking like Marco right now. I'm saying like, ah, superheroes. That's not where I'm coming from at all. It's just, uh, I want more, I want more variety in the type of movies we get from uh, comic book characters. And I think Logan did something really different. And I think in a similar way, this movie offers something really different. I think it's going to be really liberal with the Joker. And I'm totally down with that because it's just going to be people and their interpretation of, how to make a Joker movie. And it looks really interesting. The setting, the filmography, or I'm sorry, the cinematography. And um, I think Joaquin Phoenix is the best actor in Hollywood. So I'm ready for it. And I'm not, I'm not terribly surprised that it is being reviewed so well. Hey, Phil. Yo. Superheroes. Oh, here we go. And look what I did. I got him started, guys. I can't stop guys. movies like this. Joker's not even a superhero. Can we please get our You're fucking embarrassing yourselves. Guys, yeah. he's the real hero of the story. I mean, and in you this know what? movie he probably is. To 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 Kale's point, to me, I uh, I didn't see Suicide Squad, so I haven't seen the Joker in a movie in 11 years. So like, it feels like <laughs> enough time for me. <laughs> yeah. I That's mean, I tried point. to block out his involvement in Suicide Squad as much as I could, so Now, the real I, unfortunate I, I tell you, I the Joker. I can't believe I'm saying this. The Joker was not the shitty part of Suicide Squad. <laughs> you know what's really troubling to me is how uh, Jared Leto is still mailing his his method acting goofs to the actors and writers and and, and crew people on the set of this movie. He can't write character. Don't steal another podcast bit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right. So I want to move on because there's a larger conversation to be had here. Uh, I did say that the movie is, is receiving la- largely positive reviews. Um, and over on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it has an 86% fresh rating. Um, that was Actually, that was of a, as of a few days ago, but no one else could have really seen it, right? So... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably just accurate. The problem is that there are a lot of people who don't want this movie to exist and who are really mad that it does. Um, and so a lot of the commentary around this movie has been really bad from people who haven't seen it saying that it shouldn't exist, um, that it's... Basically, an enable a movie that's enabling the current, you know, white supremacist, proud boy incel movement that has swept the nation over the last few years. Um, 
and that the Joker character in this movie will essentially become their mascot. That we shouldn't be making movies in 2019 that showcase the reasons, the legitimate quote-unquote reasons why someone might become a mass murderer or a psycho or something like that. What do you guys think about that? It's a fucking comic book, bro. uh, No, it's not. Um, I, I can... I can see that argument and I can sympathize, especially because on the premiere of Dark Knight Rises, we had a guy dressed as a Joker go shoot up a a theater in Colorado. But at the same time, I saw a tweet this week that, and and I apologize that I can't attribute to who, who this, who said this, but it was basically like, you know, this this same crowd that is so concerned about uh, uh, a movie forming someone's actions are are really unconcerned when it's Disney pumping out Pentagon propaganda. And I just like I I I I. I understand where they're coming from, but I also think there's a level of um, there's a level of individual uh, responsibility that's sort of being taken away because of this blame. Yeah, if that makes sense. I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense, Kale. Absolutely. I think I, I think I think the conversation is definitely worth having, uh, but I I the 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 blowing up criticism based solely on that I think is is um, overwrought. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, that that's a, an attitude I would say I generally reject as 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 being a valid critique of something if you haven't seen it you know i i don't like when anyone says in 2019 you shouldn't make this movie right like you're like you're not allowed to tell this kind of story because of how people could interpret it or or use it or something like that like that's so like that's that censorship you know like and whether the reason for it is altruistic or not that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to police the kind of stories that people tell because of a potential outcome of it. You right, know, I think right. if this movie comes out and it absolutely glorifies the Joker and presents him as a hero and all those things, that might be a conversation worth having at that point in time. But it, it very much reminds me of um, the the kind of conversation around and your feelings about the piece regardless of kind of the conversation around like something like Rick and Morty where it's like oh this show is problematic because douchebags identify with Rick Sanchez and are like he's the best and I'm you know this represents me or whatever but like if you actually watch the show and what it's trying to say about the character he's not presented as an aspirational figure he's not presented as a character that you want to be like he's presented as somebody who's sad you know and like if you're not willing to take the art for what it's trying to say. Like, I don't think it's fair to blame the art for people misinterpreting the message. Right, or like Fight right. Club, right? Like, there are plenty of douchebags who like Fight Club and don't get the point of Fight Club, you know? But I don't think that makes Fight Club 
bad or problematic. It means that people missed, missed the message and misinterpreted it. And that, that's a worthy thing to bring up in the conversation around the art, but I don't think that invalidates the art. Yep, yep. I will say... I guess... Uh, go ahead. The Joker is canonically uh, anti-Nazi. There was a famous crossover book with the Red Skull where he... <laughs> it was uh, in the, the, amal- the Amalgam yeah. comics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, flat out hates the Red Skull because he's a Nazi. <laughs> I love right that. Up. I think that's really funny. Yes. <laughs> I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a Nazi. And then he punches him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but how how long do you think that'll last with the incel crowd? <laughs> no fucking care, huh? I have I have strong emotions about this because there are, there are a couple parts of this conversation that really frustrate me. So number one is the same exact people. And and I know it because these are some of them are, are people I follow on on Twitter and other places, and I see how they react to things. The same exact people who are saying that this movie shouldn't exist are the same people who come out with their guns blazing whenever it's a creator's rights issue or an artistic license issue. And even though it's a movie about the Joker, and even though we know that Disney or to Disney. DC is owned by Warner Brothers, who obviously have a lot of money and a lot of reasons why they would want this movie to be successful. Everything that I have seen personally indicates that this is Todd Phillips' movie. Not mm-hmm. a movie that was already going to happen and it, they already had the beats laid out and they just hired a director. I get the impression this is a movie that is being made because Todd Phillips had a vision that they believed in. And why is that not okay? Why is that why is that invalid? Just because whatever his vision is doesn't line up perfectly with however you feel about where we are in in in, in this world right now? That's ridiculous. Because if that's true, well then uh we need to get rid of a lot of movies. And <laughs> we need to get rid of a lot of video games. And we need to start reevaluating as a society what we accept and reject. It it can't just be because it's the Joker that we have this perspective. No. Well, we should never air The Sopranos ever again. Breaking Bad should not be a show that's allowed on television. There's a lot of things that go away when you adopt this perspective. The other big problem that I have is that there's a lot of people who are saying that the, the only people who are excited about this movie are white boy incels. And that's not true. That is not true. That does not represent me. I'm excited for this movie. I'm not an incel. I'm not, well, you know, I'm partially white, but uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't take me that way if you saw me. And um, I think this movie's probably going to be great because there's separation. I'm not going to go out and murder people because I saw the Joker do it on on screen. What year is this that we still have to explain this? This is the same year. That Donald Trump, the president of the United States, tried to blame video games for a mass shooting and everyone was pissed that he said those things. So how could you be pissed about that but cool with this? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think you're totally right, Sean. It's hypocritical. Right. And and like it's also just on the on the fact that it's a it's a piece of art and it's not trying to it's not coming from a place where it's trying to inform you on something and like form make try to get you to form an opinion. It's just trying to tell a story. Like yeah. that and that, that's that's where you can kind of draw the line, it, depending on how you like extrapolate or what you extrapolate from it. Fine, but that's it. There would be no. Also, greater... go ahead. No, no, you're on your soapbox. I don't want to derail it. Also, 
as a black person, I've had to live through, like, for, in my lifetime, at least the 90s, at least one decade, maybe you can count the 20s as well, of having to sit, not the 1920s, the 2000s. <laughs> uh, it was a really hard was, time for me. I was like, okay, he must be making some kind of, like, depression metaphor. All right, all right, let's see where this goes. <laughs> I'm with him. Those those decades featured a lot of characters who look like me, either just straight up being thieves and goons on television, like bad people, um, whether it was fictional or not. I watched a lot of cops on Saturday nights when I was growing up, okay? I saw a lot of people who looked like me getting arrested. Uh, I watched The Wire. That show's all about people like me getting arrested. I watched Oz. That show's about people who look like me being in jail. And none of those things made me into... A bad guy. So if it didn't happen to me, I don't see why I should worry about it happening to you. If it happens to you, it's because you're already that. And right. a movie is not going to change things. Two kids shot up a school because of the Matrix, allegedly. They didn't do it because of the Matrix. They did it because they were, they were dickheads who were bullied in school and decided they wanted to get revenge. That's all that is. And uh, I'm just I'm just sick of this. Like we've 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 glorified a lot of real humans in our society that had slaves. You know, I don't want to hear about fake people in a movie who are supposed to activate all these murderers out there. They're pieces of shit anyways. Who cares what they watch? Yeah, and that to me it's it's no different than like you said, like blaming uh, Ozzy Osbourne for suicide in the seventies or blaming. Uh, Marilyn Manson for fucking Columbine or the fact that the kids had doom mods, you know, like art doesn't make you a fucking killer. It just doesn't. And like if somebody uses this movie to justify violent actions, that's not the film's fault. That's a violent person who imprinted themselves on a piece of art. And like, what do you like? You could argue that by that same logic, we shouldn't have Catcher in the Rye in schools anymore because Mark David Chapman had a copy of it on him when he shot John Lennon. Did that book radicalize him? No, he was a fucking psycho who killed someone. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's, violent people are going to do violent actions. And I'm not saying that you can't radicalize non-crazy or non-violent people, but I really don't think a fucking movie about the Joker is that thing. Sean, did those shows that depicted uh, uh, black people... Uh, in in like uh, in being incarcerated and stuff, activate you to become the black man. However, <laughs> yes, they they actually activated me to want to lock up my own people because I realized <laughs> through the through television how uh, <laughs> how shitty we all are. <laughs> oh Good fucking god. <laughs> Sean's like, I am a huge believer in the prison industrial complex. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, you, you said just a few minutes ago that you're half white, so it makes sense. I didn't say half. <laughs> <laughs> That's the insult. Sean's like, whoa, 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 I didn't say half. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that evil on me. <laughs> what I, what I was yeah, going to say you. before, uh, Sean, you referenced a tweet. Uh, where it was like the only people excited for this movie are like white incels. And my thought was, whoa, 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 whoa. There's no greater insult to levy at me than to call me an incel. I fuck. Hey, I fuck. Listen. Listen. <laughs> I fuck. 
I'm not good like, at I'm it. I'm voluntarily Listen. celibate. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm that not, that's true. I'm not good at fucking, but I fuck. <laughs> Put down a shirt and you described Kale. You missed uh, the hot, steamy action between Phil and Marco um, behind the curtain at uh, at Keystone Comic Con. Hey, you mean under the I'm covers? Still cleaning up my house. Oh, oh my god, that's crazy. Uh, all right, well, now that I <laughs> insulted every <laughs> black person on earth, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> all that was jokes, by the way. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna get into our reviews, and we're actually going to start with House of X number four. Uh, this was the this was the two weeks where we got House House three and House four. So lucky us. Um, this issue is really depressing. <laughs> Can I relate to that? Can I tell you my general thoughts on the issue? Just broad Please. strokes? Yeah. Um, anyway, we're in spoiler territory, right? We will. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. full spoilers. Broad strokes. You know, I, I haven't read X-Men in a very long time um, other than um, uh, 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 Phoenix, whatever. Um, oh, okay. It's really cool to see the x-men being the x-men you know cyclops great leader you know professor x um on the uh, on the ground floor directing everybody nightcrawler teleporting you know wolverine uh, hacking a thing in the sun <laughs> jean gray dying you know everybody's doing what they do best hey, I, hey, hey. I was Whoa. fucking waiting for it <laughs> better chill out man can we can we eulogize our dear sweet boy Nightcrawler, who we've all said, "Where's Nightcrawler? Where's Nightcrawler?" <laughs> dead again. Dead again. Man, all I've got to say, Phil, is that you know I'll I'll find him on the other side, and he'll be waiting there with open arms. That was beautiful. Love yeah, that was a great shit. two pages. This issue was so well written. I, I mean, yeah. Jonathan Hickman is 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 a beast. He like he's he's on another level, man. Uh, I really really enjoyed this one. Um, there were so many great points. I haven't seen the X Men. I mean, Kale said he hasn't read X Men in a while, and that's why he hasn't seen them this way. I haven't seen them them this way either, and I never stopped reading the X Men. <laughs> they just haven't been. They just haven't been like this. It hasn't felt. It, they, they haven't felt this cohesive and this yeah. uh, tight in a long time. Um, this this was just so cool, man. Getting to see Cyclops lead the team again. He's been dead. He's been on the outskirts for this entire decade. That's so the funny. The whole of the 2010s. Because I've never not read a story where he... Well, outside of like Wolverine picking up or like Storm, I've never not read one where he isn't like at least part of it or not in leading the team just because I never made it that far where they would start to split out and stuff. So this has been a wonderful transition from the stuff that I already know of and then him becoming like super uber militant. I'm just like, fuck yeah. Right. Yeah, I I feel like this very much just feels like homecoming. You know, like it, it feels like uh, a, a true proper re- return to form. And I mean a homecoming, not yeah, yeah. the movie Spider-Man homecoming. 
uh, that it, it feels like a true re- return to form for the, the, the brand, really, you know, for, like, the X-Men as a concept. Like, this feels like the X-Men I know, and I've known several versions of them, you know, but, like, it feels... Like it has a meaningful place in that in that lineage, and based on how that is, this issue ends, we know the stories will continue for years and years and years, and no one will die, except you, obviously. So, this definitely feels like an issue where, well, first of all, it's confirmed now, right, that the tenth timeline is not the tenth life is not the life that we're all familiar with, right? Can't be. Right. Yes. Why? Because the X Men just died. Okay. Oh, okay. So you yeah. mean that it's not the it's not right. yes. it's not our timeline. It's not timeline. the regular MCU or MU timeline. That's gotta be true unless um unless these are clones. Which is possible. Even even that has insane implications though. Like Yes. And again, I, I think that there are clearly clones in the mix here because that was like the first page of the book. But it's it is really confusing because like I don't feel like Professor X's reaction to their loss feels like they're just clones or something. So well, like just clones yep. to you. You make it sound like they're expendable, but in his yep. mind, they, they're still his children. That's right. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's a good point. Um, Although... It's funny, because in the... I'm sorry, not to cut you off, Kale, but just on the last page, like, where there's the him with the tears, the panel before that shows what look like the pods that we saw the seeming Scott and Gene clones come out of. So, like, it's possible that we've already lost a number of them or something like that, or... I don't know. Like it, there's a lot of potential. Oh, yeah. Okay. Implications oh. or fallout from what we know and what we don't know. Yet. You talking about the panel above? Yeah. That's where there's uh, the little red the sacks in the back. That's uh, that's the Krakoa organic computer thing. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, no. Isn't that where Beast is? Beast is at the organic computer, isn't he? Uh. Uh, well, there are two. There's, I think, there's the one that Beast operates, which I got the impression was more technological, and then there's one that who is, is Cipher. Mm. Cipher operates through Krakoa. Right. Okay. Okay. So they're, yeah, they're that, both that... they're both going at the same time. Is is what I understood. Hold on. Go, going back to the question, yeah, you might why, be right about that. Why aren't we in the tenth timeline? Uh, so, <clears throat> what I what I was saying was that this what we just saw is the tenth timeline, but that current six one six Marvel cannot be the tenth timeline if these characters are dead, because we know that. Well, I mean, unless they're going to resurrect them somehow, right? Within right. this within this same story, we know that at the end of this, the char- the characters we just saw die are alive. So either there will be a resurrection or the tenth timeline is not the last one does it make a difference to you that this cyclops i assume uh spoke to the fantastic four in was it the what it, the first issue of house yeah. of x yeah because that event him having that conversation with the fantastic four predates what we just watched yeah so does that wait what 
Oh, right. Yeah, that happened before. Yes, that happened right. before now. Yeah. So what's the does, question? Does that uh, – do, do you feel like that grounds us in the current Marvel uh, continuity or is your is your thought it's just that could be fucking any Fantastic Four? Yeah, that could be any Fantastic Four. Because they have the current uniforms, don't they? Uh, I don't remember. I don't have the ish- the first issue on hand, but maybe. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's that's my thought on that, Marco. What do you think? Because it has. I, I went back to issue. Sorry, I went back to issue two of House of X to like look at the timelines again, and I'm trying to find because you would think like X Men die would be marked somewhere, right? Um, no, and it isn't. Uh, I would it, think it, Moira would be marked, but you would. We think- also haven't gotten an update on the timeline since what three issues ago, right? But but I'm saying like even even though like it's about uh, Moira, there are events that surround her with other people, right? Like like the recruit Xavier and Magneto, whatever, whatever. There's this, there's a schism, the genocide of Genosha, all this other stuff. Um, they aren't marked in any timeline. So for me, I was thinking that this might have been the eleventh. Just because I, I think that this, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just because there aren't any point or like signifiers for why it wouldn't be on that. I'm wondering if this is ten and yeah. eleven is going to be the MU time. The prime. Yeah, that's what MU I said before. Yeah, that we return to. Yeah, that's well. Marco was just saying he thinks this might be the eleventh. I'm saying I definitely agree with you. This is absolutely I, I think, the tenth. Right. The, the, that, and that's, what will come. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Because I don't think that they would mention that there's a potential 11th life unless we were going to see that. So that, to me, I think... I agree with you, Sean. This can't be the MU Prime storyline that we've known unless it is. But then it's also going to be the end of that timeline and like a soft reset in a way. Where it is still the MU as we know it, but it's with the context of these things have now happened and the 11th life cycle is still the same universe, but it's that universe influenced by Moira's 10 previous lives. So let's focus on this issue for, for a little bit. Let's, let's talk about what actually takes place and how we felt about it. Um, so obviously the X-Men are on this big mission to try to destroy the mother mold because, Around the same time that the Mother Mold becomes active, that's when we get Nimrod. And they want to destroy the Mother Mold, which would, in theory, prevent Nimrod from ever doing what we know Nimrod ends up doing. Um, they put together an elite team to go and do this. This is, yeah. a, this is a pretty awesome squad uh, that, that they assembled here. And they're pretty successful up until the point where they're not. And I think one of the best things that Jonathan Hickman did here was he showcased both sides' desperation to succeed. So the X-Men are willing to kill themselves, um, you know, to sacrifice their lives for this mission because they recognize how important it is. And that's that's a great thing to show us here. Um, But then we also see the other side of that where the humans are just as willing to die. Uh, and just as yep. willing to kill. They're willing to do whatever to stop mutants. Um, I, I just really love what, like how that makes this moment feel so important. 
yeah if, Archangel, if, yeah it feels like a, like like a war like it's straight up just like yes. you y- you know it right it's a straight up war like they're fighting for their lives yeah Archangel. yeah and, and both both causes look at themselves as righteous exactly. and fighting for the survival of their species yep you know and, and Ar- like go ahead i was just going to say archangel dies off panel like a bitch <laughs> I mean, yeah, Arch- Archangel and Husk both die in that explosion that we saw at the end of the last episode or issue, and um, yeah, it, it like to come in and for the first like the like the very first like uptick is very much just like oh like you know Professor X is communicating with Gene and he's just like should we fear the worst and it's like yeah kinda I mean That's- the ship blew up and half two of us are dead already we didn't even get on the station. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's especially like the prior issue where uh, Erasmus kills himself to mm-hmm. to to you know blow everybody up. Like that, w- I wasn't on that episode. Uh, that was such a, a great moment because it goes into what I'm talking about, where right, you know, there's a real fear on the part of the humans of what mutants are, and it's so bad that this guy is like, you know what, screw it, I'll die, <laughs> I'll die to protect our our race. Um, this issue more than any other in everything that we have read solidified for me how bad this situation is for mutants. And more than seeing the technological future in which Nimrod runs everything, more than anything we've seen before was this issue. Seeing the, the mutants that I know and love dying. Yeah. That did it for me. I think especially when you think about it through the context of the uh, the first page of the issue where we get, or I guess maybe the second one, but we get the look at what they've done, the mutant extinction events, and the takeaway is that there are 198 mutants left. And then we watch, you know, what, six of, or is it more than that? It can't be that. Uh, that, that, that 198 was the number in 2006, 2005. Yeah. yeah. It can't be and- 198. A ton, a ton of uh, mutants have been born since then. Hope was the uh, the the one that brings it all back, or something. Yeah. Yes. Oh right. Okay. Well, then why are they leaving it off there then? I, I wonder. I wonder if this is a, a a timeline where they never found hope, or hope was never born. Then I wonder because that was something that I threw out in one of my theories when Sean and I talked about issue two. Uh, of House of X with the the Moira timeline issue where I wonder if multiple like I wonder if the events that we read of the X-Men over their publication history are are actually spread out among multiple timelines. That that would be my guess based I, on that, yeah. I just looked at it again and I understand better what this is. All we're looking at when we're looking at this graph is the af- the the event, the extinction level event and the aftermath. So Decimation is when Scarlet Witch says no more mutants. And the amount of mutants left after that was 198. So all it's saying is that 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 event left us with 198 mutants. Not that that's the amount that are currently alive. It's to drum you okay. up. It's well, like it's like the the preamble before the thing to give like like this is the purpose. This is the drive. This is what is, right. is bringing the the X Men to this place. And either either way, I guess like my point still stands is that like to me that really drove home how like to Sean's point how dire their situation is and how few of them are left yeah. at this point even after those numbers have been bolstered and to see one two three four five six seven eight eight of 
mutant kind's best, you know, whatever best uh, die is a huge loss for them as a people because like there aren't a huge line of heroes of their caliber waiting in the wings to step up and continue the fight, right? Like, this, I think, is a huge win for them, but it's a far more significant loss for them than it is for humanity. It's why I don't think they're pod people. Like, I don't think these are grown. I think these are the X-Men that we know because I think, ultimately, for everything that Hickman is trying to do, this is still a story about Moira McTaggart and the struggles that the mutants have been having and this is somehow foreshadowing what destiny said and i think house of x one or two no it was two the one where it was the moira mctaggart issue which is like you can have an 11th life if you play your cards right we don't know what that means but i think this is all building to whatever that is yeah and i think that next issue is really going to be about showing where the hell she's at because she is completely absent from all of this however there is i think an important thing to note with that which is if i remember the timeline correctly in life 10 there is a schism that takes place between moira charles and magneto so where where she at now Mm -hmm. in fact where's mag is magneto here Yes, he's, yeah, he's, in the he's, he's Professor X. Okay, he's in the background. because yeah. there's the there's yeah. the whole we're, prologue about you know you're never forgotten if you're you know a hero or whatever. Yeah, oh, we're such good lines, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know where she is, and we haven't for a bit. For us, for, for as much as we could know, this this whole event could be the impetus of this said schism. The cost sure. could have been too great. Yeah. Well, it already uh, happened, presumably, no. right? Well, Magneto and Xavier are still, still together. The well, schism, the schism is between it doesn't it doesn't say that it's between Magneto oh. and Charles. It just says that there was a schism between the three of them. Right. Yeah. And we don't know if it happened yet. It could have. You're right. I think. I think it. I think the implication is that it has because okay. she's gone and they're still together. Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah, or she could just happen to be somewhere else. Who knows? She faked her death. That's right. She faked her death. So oh, right, right. right. We we actually have no idea where she is, but that's deliberate. Right. right. Okay. Because that's what happens in powers, I guess. Like we find us out mm. with the whole Nimrod thing. You mean that she faked her death in in powers of X that we saw that. Yeah, because that's the whole thing with the future, right? Because they actually kill her. Oh, but that was the ninth life. Jeez, man, you gotta keep this all straight. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, you, you really gotta like think about it. We need to have this. Let's uh, talk about this the, timeline. Let, go ahead. We need to have this timeline put up as we as we talk about it. So yeah, you can keep track. I, I pulled it up for that reason. I have um, it in front of me every time we talk about the book. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about the art because I think that this this might be the best looking issue in my mind. Uh, I agree. Yeah, there, there's just so much great stuff going on. Uh, I love the the colors, man. Oh yeah. my god. Yep. This is one of the best colored books that I've ever uh, I've ever read. Yeah. Hard uh, agree. Marta Gracia is, is is an incredible artist. Just look at like the page where um, Professor X is tapping into Cerebro and 
um, like the, the the beautiful blues there, and how mm-hmm. he how how expertly he's able to use the light to showcase the shadows and like where Jean Grey's face pops up in the water, how there's light on her, uh, showing us kind of what she's looking at. Like it's just so incredible. There, I, I think it's really cool because the book looks really modern too because it is like super super reliant on blues and purples and pinks which are like a thing that are super prevalent in just like modern color palettes you know so it's like you have like the very very classic look of the x-men but it feels very fresh and i think a lot of that is because of the color you and, and I, on that same level of this um the pencils uh pepe Loraz, uh his uh, his pencils, uh, they remind me of uh, Jorge, is it Jorge Jimenez that's doing Justice League right now? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They remind me of that. Very, um, very sort of exaggerated, but also tight and um, classic at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I feel like he he does a really good job of balancing paneling and, and page work that feels very traditional in a good way with stuff that feels super modern and like very very like I feel like he he very much has like a kind of like director's mind, mm. you know, like you can see a lot of movement on the pages just from the way that things are um presented, right? Like I think one of the best examples is the page where Mystique gets to um you know the control rod and there's a shot of her walking into the room and then a cut to her from like a close-up perspective of her and it shows the movement of her walking across the room and there's like a lot of simple things like that that i feel like you don't notice unless you're trying to pick it apart and pay attention to it because it's done so well you know and like the way that he'll obscure people's faces which is something we talked about in the first issue right like to uh like like when there's the shot of wolverine with the pile of bodies that he leaves behind and you don't see his face because it's dehumanizing right that he went and killed all these people for this end you know and like just little things like that where it's just it's just clever it's well done like and in that moment right like section four you see all the dead people in wolverine walking away covered in in blood section two it's nightcrawler and he dispatched the people that he fought non-lethally. And, like, you're saying something about the characters without saying anything. Without saying, Wolverine's a tough guy or Nightcrawler's religious, right? Like, those are things that you know about the characters and they come across in their actions both on the page from dialogue and from the art. And, like, that's... Right, exactly. And that's good comics, Right, is that that's the benefit of visual medium. You don't need to force exposition. You can show things without telling you, telling us as readers that you're showing things. And if you're just a, a casual reader or someone who doesn't have that knowledge, it's good art and it tells the story well and it communicates its meaning. If you have that deeper connection to these characters, it also says something about them, which is yeah. that's that's good comics. It's when it all comes together. Eloquently said, my boy. That moment when Wolverine was burning up, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, and the 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 feed in before that, like him and him and Nightcrawler's conversation. That's my favorite page in the book, where he's like, you know, you like, do you really think there's like, like we go somewhere from here? I'm wondering. He says, uh, just wondering what someone like me should expect. 
you know? And, like, it's a very tender moment. And, like, you get the sense of, like, these are two not just friends but people who consider each other family who've been through all these battles together. They know it's the end and they're accepting that, you know, like, they're they're making this this sacrifice. Oh, it's like like their relationship. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree too, and and seeing like how the page beforehand where they're like Scott, we can do it, like make the call, yeah, and he has to accept that he's sending his friends to their death, yeah, you know, yeah. like there's that close up on him with his hand up against the glass, and then he clenches his fist, you know, and it's like just little character moments like that that like that sell that's real emotion. Like you can see the you can see the light in his eyes dim too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he puts his eyes down. Page, yeah. And he just go. And and before we see Nightcrawler Banff with Wolverine, they're shrouded by the light of the sun as if like, you know, their salvation comes after. Right. Yeah, and I think especially when you have that go- that kind of golden almost religious looking light and it says the it's light ra- like uh I'll be there waiting for you radiant and with open arms, like it speaks to again to the religious imagery of Nightcrawler and everything and that's just like Sean, this is so fucking well written, and the art does just as much heavy lifting to tell the story, and it's just fucking beautiful. That scene of like you said, Wolverine burning up, but that immediately you see Nightcrawler disintegrate, like yeah. fucking heart wrenching, absolutely heart wrenching. Yeah, <sighs> sad stuff. Um, I just so I can't good. get enough. It's so good. It's so good. Like so, I want to just meet Hickman and shake his da- his goddamn hand. So, does anyone have any more any more thoughts about the issue, uh, Marco? You haven't really gotten too many words in here. No, no more. Okay. I um I, I like. Go ahead. I really just like some of the creative stuff, like the way they all sync uh, tele uh, telepathically, like the way it's described. The cuckoos will bind each other. Uh, will bind with each of you, enabling you to join your minds together as a function of a singular organism. Like, that is a really clever, like, just, it, it's a clever concept, but the, the way he verbalizes it through Xavier is, it's great. Yeah. There were, there were so many amazing moments and things in this issue. And I love the specific references to Scarlet Witch peppered in throughout. And they call her the Pretender. Well, they talk um, about the two extinction events. What's that? They talk about the two extinction events. <sighs> yeah, there were there weren't there more than two. Well, they reference they say like the two extinction events. So I think they're talking about House of M and um, uh, Genosha. 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 Yeah. Um, so, any any theorizing for the future, real quick, before we get on to Doomsday Clock? Any thoughts about what might come next? Honestly, this is the first time I don't know. And I felt that way after the last issue where, like, I feel like they haven't given me more threads to pull on enough that I have anything new. Um, but I'm I'm so on the hook, man. I can't wait for the next issue. I want to see what happens but so goddamn badly. They, 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 didn't, they, they didn't succeed, right? Like, he still turned on. No. The no, mother no, mold, he turned on. But the mother mold. The, sun. the mother mold activated, but she went into the sun and died. But what was so horrifying about it was that she actually left them with some crazy, like a crazy message, um, basically saying like, we're going to kill you. Right. Which is why like, I, I'm thinking even though she got turned on, like they still have that now. 
like like well, like no, j- just because well just because like that physical thing left doesn't mean like that data might have not been somewhere else or elsewhere like they had to still build it and prepare it and do all that stuff well yeah i guess I that's think, possible i think you make a good point that the the mother mold could have transferred its consciousness to another machine um that's that's totally possible also i don't know that they would have made the reference to it maybe being insane if there wasn't some cuz it wasn't ready right. to come online and yeah, so they said you right. don't know what it's going to what what's going to happen it might be insane mm-hmm. so what if they've actually created their own dread by forcing the mother mold to be activated early and so now it's crazy and has this inane hatred for mutants where it's willing to go all the way which in turn creates nimrod right and, and humans Shit, you know because what? there was that whole I, thing I was going to say the whole thing about you know we if God if humans created us then they're God and uh, you are Titans invading Olympus, but we your creations look down and uh, I'm paraphrasing here we look up and we find we we judge that we find you both uh, wanting, yeah. and uh, he's like Olympus yeah. we have stolen your fire. <laughs> yeah. I I'm wondering the now that you say that Sean my I wonder if the the resolution of all this that we're talking about is going to be now humanity and mutants are forced to work together to defeat the machines or they're both going to be extinct. Skynet. Oh, so, okay. Uh, and I really want to talk about Doomsday Clock, but you just reminded me yeah. of something big. So there's a really hidden thing in this issue. Uh, and it, it's it's like you either notice it or you don't. When Professor X is talking about um uh the cuckoos binding everyone's minds together he says mm. observation analysis invocation and for myself connection okay yeah. now if you look at the the image around his head when he says that that should remind you of something because that's the same image and if not the exact same very very similar to the image on the cheek of the librarian in powers of x Oh, shit. And he says, as for my self-connection, what is the librarian trying to do? The librarian is trying to connect the, the the Earth race, which is now not, not, a, not necessarily human anymore, to the machines, the technocracy in the sky, yeah. right? Technocrats. So I don't know what I'm saying. I just know that that feels like there's a connection there. Yeah. Uh, what if What is the path to what... Moira is looking for is humans and mutants have to work together against this technic this technocracy. Yeah, very possible, very possible. And I think and maybe go ahead. I was maybe that leads to the the again the relaunch of the broader X Men line and like a, a potentially new era for the X Men where it's not about the hunt and the persecution and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. That's we'll the we'll leave it there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, j- just quickly. Um, to that point, uh, on what you said, Sean, um, the the cover I, I get it must be for Powers of X on the on the last uh, the last couple of pages, the darker one has um, Professor X in the center of it, and um, Powers of X is the one that happens generally in the future, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Powers of Ten. The t- all right. The uh, Krakoan at the bottom of that of that page is uh, it says something sinister. 
Yeah, we've we, we've been trying to figure out how Sinister plays in all of this in previous episodes yeah. because there's well, we there's know exposition. how he plays into all of it, right? But we don't know how he's going to play into the larger story of what Hickman's trying to tell. He's in the exposition of saying like you know he's responsible for a lot of like these hybrids and stuff, but we haven't actually seen him, right? Not once. Yeah. Well, we know he died though. Is the thing right. well in one of the timelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> in, in in the tenth. In in the tenth timeline, right? Because that's Where we the are house right of now, X. He's dead. Yeah, that's the house of X timeline. We Although sinister 11. and death do not, they don't sure. go together. That man never Good stays point. dead. Um, but Good I point. really want to talk about Doomsday Clock. So, uh, House yeah. of X four, great stuff. We'll be back for Powers four next week. It's great. It's all great. Now we're going to talk about Doomsday Clock eleven. So Phil unfortunately does have to leave, but it wouldn't be a Doomsday Clock review without him. So I want to get your Whatever you have to say, whatever's burning in you, just get that out and we'll react to it and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'm thankful for, but at the same time, I would have really dreaded if I read it in like a graphic novel format is appreciate all the exposition to bring me back to what happened over the last 10 <laughs> issues, which has come back the last 10 years. But if I read this condensed into one thing, I'd be like, yeah, I know. I, I read all this. Um, what I will say is it feels like there's a sense of urgency to the exposition that Ozymandias provides in this book. Like he's Lego building his master plan, which is a little bit of a hackneyed kind of contrivance in some stories, but um, it feels like it was done with deliberation to finally lead to this so-called epic confrontation between Dr. Manhattan and Superman. That's been obviously been burning for 11 issues and even in the you know build up to the actual launch of the series, um, that's basically what this this is a penultimate issue in a sense that like all right here's where everything is here are where all the cards lie. We have a giant conclusion coming up next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the issue? You know, it's like hard to say. I feel like this entire from no, this is why I feel this way. The reason why I think it's hard to say is because I think enjoying the issue is completely based on how the next issue will be. Huh. Oh, because okay. it's, it's, it's like, it's like alright, we just built all these house of cards. Well, now what? Let's see how the cards fall. Yeah. Okay. Did you enjoy the issue itself? I don't know. I really don't. Um... I le- I read it and I was like, okay, what's next? I didn't have like a value judgment of it in that regard. And I was like, okay, what's next? But that, that was by design of the issue because it's like, all right, get ready for what's next. This feels like a part one, I guess, you know? Man, I wish we had you because I have so many things to say to what you said. Um, I'll listen. And- but, yeah, yeah. Thank you, go. Phil. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> have a good time. Thanks. I'm going to go see a wrestling show. It's at three. We, it's two. So I got to go. Yeah. Don't miss it. See you, bud. All right. Bye. So uh, go ahead. I was going to say, building off Phil's point, I agree, but I walked away feeling negatively about this issue, actually. Um, Same. This is, this is, the, this first is the first issue of Doomsday Clock oh, wow. that I didn't like. Yep. Wow. I agree. Okay. I, 100% on the same page as you. This is the first issue of the run that I have not enjoyed. Um, it was slow. It was really hard to follow. 
because I really, really, really disliked Jeff Johns implementing what is a uh, a device that works really well in an auditory medium of telling story like or like laying groundwork for a story through snippets of like television audio and in a comic that was super fucking hard to follow for me that's actually a very that's a very common thing though that i'm pretty sure that's happened in this book before um, but it, to me when it happened in other books it was not across because like i think why it didn't work here was because it's ozymandias listening to like 10 different things and i had trouble like I don't know, like keeping up with the pace of all of it. Yeah, at once, I guess. The, the like, Phil said me, it. It was kind of contrived. Like it was, it was kind of contrived in, in the way that it was portraying the master plan. The problem with the way that the uh, information was handled was simply that there were too many people talking. There were because there were there were panels that were someone watching a team. Time, 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 time. Oh, oh. Yeah, we can't hear you like robot it out real hard. We got none of that. Hello? We can hear you. Is it clear? Is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're clear now. Okay. Uh, did you hear anything? No. Like, okay. <laughs> that whole point just make over. The problem for me was that there were too many people talking. Because there were the panels where yes. it, was, it, was, it was a TV... Then it was Ozzy talking. Then it was Lex Luthor's uh, dialogue in a in a in a box to Lois Lane. There were so many speakers on a given page that it was hard to follow because it was all happening at once. And there's no like color or yeah. anything to give you an idea of this is from this and this is from that and like. And I guess I guess maybe that's the point is that all of these things together are telling you the story. But I find that I found that to be really, really disorienting. And I thought uh, a, a really uh, a rare misstep in this book for using that sort of thing to uh, to tell the story, you know, to give exposition. Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Phil that it felt really urgent. Like everything for me was felt like super paced up, like th- like he was trying to get to his point all on this one issue and just make sure that he could tell his story. And it, uh, I don't know how it's going to land for me considering that it looks like he was just building up this entire series for a big ass fight at the end, which I feel like is something that we've expressed, or at least I think we've expressed that, you know, would be not, not a great way to actually remember Watchmen, right? If it ultimately it just comes out to oh, Doctor Manhattan and Superman are gonna fight, like which one wins? Like it, it feels. I don't know. I, 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 it would come off as a really weak end to a series that otherwise I've enjoyed because it had so many other implications, and, um. To Phil's point, I mean, kind of, we're gonna have to see how it all how it all ends in next issue. But for me, this this was one that I felt was confusing, was too quick, and just tries to wrap up a lot in Ozzy Mendias's plan, uh, just to have two people fight at the end. I think to me though, it's like I, my issue is that this is a needless issue. Every other issue I feel like had purpose. Yeah, and this is literally just recapping what happened, and, and, and I don't feel like. 
I don't feel like it necessarily has to end with a with a physical confrontation in the way that we're thinking. Like, I think that there's still an opportunity to get more more out of it than that. Sure. Um, given the context that's been established around it, but I, I agree with you that that's what this issue feels like. It feels like it's like hyping you up for the main event bout, you know, and like that isn't what this book has been. Yeah, really. yeah. Like, I didn't come away with that feeling, but I'm interested in hearing what Kale says before I speak my piece on that. I did. You guys feel in Ozymandias's whole recap that he said anything we didn't really know? No, no. Like he confirmed some things, but I think the only thing that like was significant was the disappearance of Saturn Girl. Because that's like showing that he's that like the events are are altering the timeline and that like this connection that we had to the the future that was supposed to happen is now like severed or whatever. Like but even that isn't like really new information. We know that John has been altering the history of the DC universe and creating splinters and stuff like that. So it's like it's kind of more of a reminder of something we already know or a confirmation of of it. No, we definitely learned new information in this issue, guys. We learned that we learned the reason why Doctor Manhattan didn't kill uh, the marionette. Oh, that's true. That was marionette. that that's was true. huge. But did um, we know she was pregnant? Yeah, but we we thought we didn't know why he didn't kill her. He doesn't give a shit about pregnant yeah. women. He didn't kill her because that child would end up being adopted by Night Owl and Silk Spectre, who are alive and well in the Watchmen world, who were right. the only two characters we didn't see. Um, so that was a pretty and really big, the only two characters he cares about. <laughs> right. That was a pretty big revelation. Another big revelation, massive, was that Lex Luthor was present for the rebirth issue where we see Wally and um and uh Barry, I Barry. think it was, reunite, which is also massive because we didn't know that someone witnessed that. Right. That that wasn't in Ozymandias's diatribe though that was it, all it was lex le- yeah, yeah 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 it was lex's diatribe okay i i was okay i was thinking we were talking about whether or not we learned anything at all no no um, specifically from ozymandias yeah this, I just, got you. this just didn't work for me um I, I i read it twice and i just i like the couple of things that were revealed here um just didn't land like the the pregnancy thing with uh, uh mannequin and whoever the fuck was fine and then the the stuff about lex luther just feels like that really just felt like sort of i don't know uh, retroactive planning you know what i mean like there's a oh lex luther happened to be there I just didn't. I'm willing. Go ahead. It just didn't land for me. Like, like the their reasoning behind it. You know, he was out looking for uh, coronal activity or whatever. Um, like it makes sense, but it all just was. It all landed for me just flat, and I like. Yeah, I I was really disappointed. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I think this issue tried to do a lot of things, and 
it feels to me like there needed to be another one. Um, because I'm it just very feels sloppy. Huh? It just feels sloppy. That's a tough word. Jeez. I, I don't yeah. know. No, I don't know. Like for uh, Pete, I think I agree. Like for a book that's been so tight, it, it, I don't know. He, and he does a lot, right? He does a lot, mm-hmm. but none of it melds great. You know, in, in, in the way that it's being told to us. Man, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I, this isn't the first time I've had this problem with this book. Like I've had issues with the various issues that have come out. I don't remember which ones now because it's been 15 years, but I, you know, I, I am kind of starting to wonder if we're going to stick the landing. I don't think it's going to be great. I really don't. And I think, I think at this point that he's had to, to load the penultimate issue with a reminder of everything he's done, I think is, it's, he's, he's basically sort of front loading us with an event that's going to disappoint us. So I, I, I hear everything that you guys are saying and I, I didn't like this issue, um, but I, I, I don't know if, okay. If so for me, my biggest critique is that it collapses under its own weight. Mm. I don't feel like it's sloppy. I think that's really, that's really harsh. And I think that the creators involved are way too good for that. Yeah. Um, And I also don't feel like a majority of this feels contrived. I feel like most of this feels like it makes sense. The only thing that I felt was flat out ridiculous in my mind was that the the entity that caused the energy explosion that screwed everything up in Russia was Bubastis. That to me was ridiculous. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know. I was able to buy into everything that happened. I just feel like it was way too much crammed into one issue. For, for, for me, where Ozzy's plans kind of fell through was when... He made it here, and then he had to like course correct his plan. Like for me, I, I I get it, and I can see that maybe he'll be opportunistic like that. But I I don't know for for him to sort of have pivoted from uh, from Doctor Manhattan to like the superhero so quickly, not knowing and maybe potentially not understanding the full potential the way that. John did in his actual control of time and you know, like like the way he played with stuff like he he understands them right, but he 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 just kind of waltzed in and was like oh I know what to do here like it felt very spur of the moment to me but I don't think uh, see played that into I his feel character. like does feel like in character I really? feel like that does feel like in character for him yeah absolutely he's a he's a he's think, the yeah. smartest man on earth right but the yeah. smartest man I, on earth has had, but he has a he has a plan for that I, I yeah think but one that. When that plan changes, he adapts. I also think it's arrogance. I think it's just flat arrogance. He's like, I can do it. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, so I actually, I would say I'm I'm more in line with you, Sean, where, like, I don't think that any of the, like, beats here didn't work for me. I just think the issue overall didn't. Like, I don't have concerns that the landing is going to suck because I didn't like this issue. I just feel like this issue feels, like, all over the place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like for example, the Reggie stuff, right? I like Reggie. I'm, I'm, I'm into the character. Mm-hmm. What the hell relevance does he have anymore? 
that we yeah, needed right. any amount of pages that de- they're great looking pages, by the way, but that we needed any amount of pages dedicated to his story at this point. Is yeah. it, is that Rorschach? Yeah. Yeah. New Rorschach. Yeah, right. Sorry. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I don't know why mm. we needed this. I, and, and, and like philosophically, right. It's like, okay, he believed what he wanted. He saw what he wanted to see. And that was, that was, um, the sign that he was holding up in the prior issue, he believed that his dad and Rorschach had a good relationship. So taking on this mantle was a positive thing. And I feel like there's something there to be said about the passing of the torch that we see in superhero comics and things like that. He didn't know the real Rorschach until now. And now he's damaged by the knowledge that he has gained. And, and that's that's cool. And I like that point. I could have done with that point if there wasn't all this other stuff to deal with that, you know, is is arguably just more important right now. It feels like a diversion. Or, yeah, four issues ago. Sure. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting, though, like just the I think one of the things that the team has done well here is like the kind of parallels to the original Watchmen in ways that are not like super overt. You know, sometimes it's more like symbolic and stuff like that. And I did really like I felt like the characterization of uh, Batman in the beginning of the issue reminded me a lot of Rorschach in terms of like all the Justice League have left and he's the last one out there on the streets and the government's chasing him and like things like that where I was like, okay, like there like there are echoes here of things that I feel like are good ideas or things that I, I like but I just don't feel like are super well executed to your point, Sean, because it feels like there's just so much going on here that it loses its legs. Do you guys, do you guys remember, was this always supposed to be 12 issues? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't feel like the landing is in jeopardy necessarily. Mm. This was the first time that I questioned what what this is because at no point prior did i have any doubts about jeff's ability to tell this story um this issue just being so dense but not like it's not dense with information that we needed to know yeah it's dense without being like substantive yeah it feels like also can anyone tell me what the hell happened? And this is not a critique. This is just me, I guess, not understanding. Why did Superman just leave from the fight, like from Black Adam? Like he just was like, "I'm out." I don't think he. I don't. I think he got hit. I think he got hit and got knocked away. Oh, yeah. And and the oh. implica- and the implication is that now Doctor Manhattan is going to interrupt that. Oh, so he got punched and then wound up at the feet of Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, basically. because and I think I think you know Superman's weak to one of his weaknesses is magic. So anything right. you know, anything magic that's going to hit him is going to send him flying. Yeah, that it's like Black Adam just cocked him and he yeah. flew. Yeah, I yeah. wish they would have shown yeah. that. I don't know why they didn't show that. It's, to yeah, it's really strange. I, I read over that specific portion a couple of times, and I was just like, I don't understand what happened here. Um, I think this speaks back to what I was saying when I, I said that it feels like kind of like messy or sloppy. Is like It, it, it is uh, the opposite of what I was talking about in the House of X, where there's those moments where you get a very good sense of the movement and the 
like moment to moment, like that was a moment that felt like you get lost in it. You're like, whoa, what happened? Well, Kale got it, so maybe I'm maybe I'm out of the loop on that one. I, I mean, I had a similar reaction to you, though. I had to reread it to get it. Hmm. Yeah, guys, um, I'm still I'm still hyped. I still love Doomsday Clock, but Me too. I have to say, when you look at House of X and Powers of X, because that is the event that's happening, and you know everyone's talking about and loving. When you look at that, and when you look at what that series accomplishes in one issue, um, and then you look at this issue, which is supposed to be, you know, the penultimate issue, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily feel like that's what this was. Like, yeah, I get that yeah. it is because it is, and because yeah. Superman and Dr. Manhattan now have met, but if you told me that there were two issues to go, I would believe you without any problem. Because it feels like there's that much left to deal with. Um, and it just feels like there were some wasted pages here. Whereas yeah. with House and Powers, it never feels like there's any wasted pages. And the entirety of House and Powers, I'm pretty sure, has come out to this point between the last issue of Doomsday Clock and this one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's insane. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. insane. And, and I don't – I'm going to say this and I'm going to regret it. And I don't mean any disrespect to the artists involved whatsoever. I don't get what's going on behind the scenes that this is six months late. Oh, I'm not convinced that it's Gary Frank's fault. Jeff Johns' Shazam is delayed like oh, what? Oh, that's right. I, yeah, 13 Nin- weeks? 19 weeks? Yeah. I just put that in the news. Yeah, yeah. 19 weeks. I don't know that it's all Gary. I think that something is going on with Jeff Johns. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of school, but I wonder if that has something to do with because Gary Frank's portions of this issue are fantastic. I don't think he's ever been the problem. Yeah. Mm. I I guess my, my supposition there is he was the one that originally asked for the extensions. Yeah. And I could understand – or made the voice, you know, the voice about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I could totally understand wanting more time, needing more time. But counterpoint, what if he needed more time because he didn't have enough time to do these pages yeah, based on when the scripts were coming in? That's a good point. That's a really good point. And yeah, very yeah. well, I, I think I mentioned this uh, last week. Um, I wonder if all the editorial shifts and everything have impacted that. In, in a big way. I mean, I'm sure, and I, I wonder if maybe they're, like, and this is, again, absolute speculation, grain of salt, like, it's possible that all the shuffling of the deck chairs yeah. is, like, not sitting well with Jeff Johns, and that there's, like, friction between him and the brass, because, you know, like, he's been in a position of leadership for a long time, and if things are getting shuffled up and he doesn't like it, that could be leading to friction on the book. Last question. Are you guys now at the point where this book has lost steam for you because of how long it's taken to roll out? 100%. Yep. I think if this issue was great, I wouldn't have felt that way. I think I I feel that way Mm -hmm. in this moment because this was an underwhelming issue after a too long break. I, 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 I might agree with that. Yeah, yeah. 
for me, and and like I said, I've guys, I've lived on two halves of the world in the time that these eleven issues have come out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that's a big problem. I, I I do feel like the I don't know that I agree that the book has lost steam, but I think the the moment of Doomsday Clock is over. Yep. And it, the moment of House of X, Powers of Ten is now. Well, but and you also got to think like all the stuff that we were excited about coming out of Doomsday Clock, uh, Legion, uh, the JSA coming back, all that's happening now. The JSA yeah. came back last right. week. Legion yeah. is coming back next week. Like, I don't, I, I don't need this anymore. You can it's, tell. It's time to wrap it up. You you can tell. That the DC universe was waiting for Doomsday yeah. Clock to resolve, and they just couldn't wait anymore. Yep. It in November, I think it'll have been two years since this book started. Wow. And yeah, I was thinking about that. Where I remember when we were going to New York Comic Con in 2017 or whatever. I remember going to the panel and getting the preview issue, and I remember you giving me a copy of um, the Prelude. You know, it's like that. The, the it feels Ashcan, so yeah. fucking long ago. Yeah. It was. It was two years ago. And this is now, like, I'll be honest. When I opened the issue, I was like, okay, what happened last time? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. What What is going on? Why mm-hmm. are these people together right now? I couldn't remember what the last thing that happened was with that man. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't have that same intensity that I had when I would open an issue yeah. of this book. Yeah. And that I- was before I knew how good or bad it was. I said this. I said this yeah. to, to Pete last week. Like, there's there's a lot of media right now that is sort of being renewed or coming out. Like, uh, I give the example of uh, Stranger Things season three. Uh, Jess and I have been watching that, uh, and I my attitude is very much, uh, oh, we're uh, we're still doing this, huh? And that's what? exactly how I feel about Doomsday Clock. Damn. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Uh. Well. I think that's it for our review of Doomsday Clock, unless anyone else has anything more. I I, I actually do want to just say that, um, you know, we didn't talk a lot about the art. I think the art is really good in this issue. Um, the yeah, Reggie, that's not the problem. Yeah, the Reggie pieces look fantastic. I love the color work there. Brad Anderson, uh, great job. I feel like there was so much dialogue that it often obscured the artwork. Yes. Um, and that's the mark of a at least in my personal opinion, that's the mark of a, of a comic that's overwrought. Yeah. Um, yeah. That should never or, happen. Or at least poorly edited. You know, like, yeah. Like, there, there needed to be a lot cut here. Well, uh, but, I mean, also the parallels they're trying to draw between Watchmen and Doomsday Clock. I think, you know, uh, this. I, I kind of think this was going to happen eventually, you know? This, this what? What do you mean? This big overlapping of text you know oh uh, everything you know everything happening at once because of the big doomsday moment like you know that's i loved it in watchmen yeah it just didn't work here yeah unfortunate uh well hopefully we'll be getting back to you guys with a review of doomsday clock in november uh on the two-year anniversary of this book starting gary frank said that that's when they hope the book will be out uh, we'll see if that's the case, but I think that I, there are lessons to be learned from both Marvel and DC hmm. from this event, because as much as I am respectful of the time that it takes to put out, you know, art that 
is more than just you know your weekly floppy. Uh, not mm-hmm. to denigrate weekly floppies, th- you also need to respect the reader's you know interest level and uh, our time as well. Like you know, the, I don't care as much, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in the last interview we had with Sabella, he mentioned that where like when you you as an artist are or a group of artists are asking someone to engage with your work, you're asking them to spend time that they will never get back right like you only have so many books that you can read before you're dead so like i think that is a valid point and especially when you look at how house of x and powers of 10 have delivered every week and not missed the deadline and it's weekly like i do think there's a lesson to be learned there that like maybe we need to change the way we do events yeah so that's gonna do it here uh we want to hear your feedback as far as these issues go. Which one did you enjoy more? Are you still riding the Doomsday Clock hype train? Or have you kind of, you know, jumped off that? Um, there are lots of things that we've got to talk about. I'm excited for New York Comic Con. That's coming up in a month. If you love New York Comic Con, stay tuned for all of our content. That's going to be dropping on our YouTube page for that. We just did Keystone Comic Con as well. We've got interviews up right now. From that event that you guys can go check out. So swing on over to our YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Comics Pals. And check out all that good stuff. Um, we've got book clubs out. I'm blanking on them right now. Alex and Ada. That was really good. Oh, Alex uh, and Howard Ada. Duck was the most recent. Yes, Howard, Howard the Duck. Ducks. Uh, the next one's going to be Silver Surfer Requiem. And yes. then. Great one. A <clears throat> lot of fun. And then uh, Uzumaki after that. And... Be sure to stay tuned because we have, I think, one other. Uh, oh, man. We have one other that we might be squeezing in. Uh, so just stay tuned on that one. Whoa. That's news to me, too. We got to talk. I don't yeah. know what that means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, all that. And there's plenty of other book clubs, plenty of movie reviews, all those kind of things. So you can check us out all over the place. We are the Comics Pals on all podcast hosting platforms, social media platforms, um, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Get at us. We want to interact with you guys. So hit us up. Let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on 150 episodes of The Comics Pals. I know we didn't make a ton of fanfare about it, but uh, it's a big milestone. And I'm super stoked to be here uh, with you fine gentlemen and all you listeners who have been on the ride with us. Or if you're a new person, thanks for jumping on. Um, it means a lot. So uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you making us a part of your week every week because there's a lot of other ways you can spend your time. Uh, so if you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about um, come talk to me about house. Honestly, I don't have much to say about Doomsday Clock right now. Still looking forward to 12, but I'm all about talking about X-Men right now. So come hit me up. Talk to me. Uh, if you want to check out some of my other work, you can find my stuff over at lootpots.com. I host their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, uh, where we had uh, Liam Robertson on the show this week. Great episode. Talked about the Nintendo Direct. Um, so go check that out if you want to hear me talk about that kind of shit. And um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Kale? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, you can find me and my work uh, at kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Um, the podcast I do with my wife, Gone Global, is back. We recorded a new episode all about our time in Texas, and it gets uh, weird. 
To sad? Anyway, uh-huh. uh, it's a, it's a good episode. Oh, you can find out what the uh, the name of my hometown's new baseball team is and what their theme song is. <laughs> oh my god, what a reveal! Yeah. Uh, uh, please uh, rate review the show. It's been 150 episodes, and uh, uh, frankly, you guys aren't doing your part. So uh, I'm gonna need you to pick it up. <laughs> Welcome you should back, probably Phil. ask people to do that more often. <laughs> Maybe. Please review the show. Uh, review Marco and his contributions to the show. One star. Cute, Damn. cute boy, untalented. Oh my god! <laughs> One star. Fuck. I would never say something like that. He's definitely very talented. Yeah, you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I just finished up. The entirety of uh, Lock and Key. So I finished the last volume. So please talk to me about that. So fucking good. Super pumped about Joe Hill's new um, uh, series in. Yeah, the imprint. Uh, What is it? Um, Hill House? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Okay. Uh, So definitely go uh, pick that up. I just started Fables as well. So if anybody has read that, come chat with me. And my comic as part of the my one page comic as part of the comic jam should be dropping, I think, towards the end of this month. I just need to check on timing of that, but just so you guys know. Yeah, and let that's us know it. when that's out. Uh Marco, go read something is killing the children. What? Is it good? Go read yes, it's very good. It's Wait, called Something it? Is Ki- Something Is Killing the Children. Oh, okay. It's uh James yeah. Tinney in the fourth. Oh, yes. really? Yes, tremendous horror stuff. Uh, one issue in, so you're not you haven't missed anything other than okay. That. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about. Whew, I got so many things to talk about. Uh, House of X, um, Matrix Four. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, confirmed? Yeah, dude. Yeah, Get the happening. fuck out. I am hyped as hell. On board. Yeah. Yes. Fucking um, Terry and Smash. Terry and Smash. There's so many things to talk about. Just hit me up. Let's let's nerd out. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye.